Hello, I'm Eagle, Eagle Gardens, Eagle Gardens 1 on Instagram, and this is fucking talking shit with Eagle, episode 621. Hopefully you guys have had a great day rested up for your 420. I've got an amazing guest for us to kick off the episode. Uh, Feed the soil, say it, free the plant on Instagram. You want to tell us how you're doing and where we can find you? Uh, Thank you for coming, my friend. Yeah, hey, thanks for having me on. Uh, I'm doing good. Just uh, <coughs> kicking off my evening here. Just got off work a little bit ago. And uh, yeah, um, you can find me on Instagram, feed the soil, free the plant. Uh, I've also got a, an IG for my seed page, uh, Fino Fisherman. Not, not much on there yet, but I'll be posting more as I progress with things. And that's about it. You can contact me at phenofisherman at gmail.com. And yeah. Well, I appreciate you taking the time to come hang out tonight. It means a lot for me. And I know the community as well. This is an opportunity to get some, get to know some of the people in the Canada community and some of the people that uh, we buy our seeds from and all that good stuff. So I appreciate you taking the time to come hang out. Uh, First and foremost, I see you puffing on, I'm guessing a rosin cart over there. What you got over there to smoke on tonight? I hate to say it. I quit smoking a while back, but you know, sometimes I puff on like the nicotine puffer. Uh, so yeah, you know, better than cigarette, right? For sure. For sure. I actually didn't, I, I decided not to smoke before this. I get, uh, I get a, I don't really, I don't, I don't like talking (laughs) when I'm stoned to be honest. And I'm still riding no some problem. dabs I hit earlier at work, so I, I'm doing okay. Maybe later in the show when I loosen up, I'll, I'll roll up a dube. Right, Dad. How about well, you? What I am, you? I'm smoking on a little bit of Silverback Gorilla, gorilla uh, from Medgrower One. It's pretty decent smoke. Uh, pretty happy with it so far. Excellent. Uh, that's what he's smoking on this evening. Probably some so, kind of gorilla hybrid, I would imagine. Well, it's his, uh, yeah, his uh, Gorilla Goo uh, Primal Punch, which is, uh, uh, I'm pretty sure it's, uh, stumble in here, uh, it's Banana Punch times Primal Punch, and then the Primal Punch is times uh, the Silverback uh Haze, I believe that's the cross. Oh, that's, okay. But uh, yes, definitely pretty good. Pretty good smoke. So right. we might as well start this out right where we normally do. Uh, when and where did cannabis enter your life, if you don't mind sharing? Where did the journey start? Uh, well, the journey... For me, you know, I mean, I kind of grew up around it a, a bit. I mean, not not a ton, but it was definitely always present in my younger years a bit. But uh, uh, for me, it really started in 2007. Um, that was the year I graduated high school. 
course, I had smoked before that and everything. But um, 07, I flew out to Kauai after working for the summer, after getting out of school. And uh, just kind of went on a open adventure, got a one-way ticket. And um, I went out to uh, a certain area in Kauai. I won't name the place. It's just kind of a something we don't we don't name it. But uh, I went out to a place, uh, a long hike out to, to out to a valley, and uh, just kind. I had heard about this place from a friend of mine that I worked with. And he was like, man, there's just, there's mangoes and avocados, and banana trees, and, and everybody's naked. There's naked girls and, and uh, it's just absolute paradise. He told me all about it. And I was just like, I'm on my way, man. One way ticket. Here I come. And so I went out there and it was kind of funny. It was, this was the first time I ever seen living weed plants. And uh, so he had come to Alaska to, to work for the summer at the same place I was working. And um, him and a couple buddies of his out there had a, a little patch up on this ridge. Nothing big, maybe like 10 plants. Um, and he had kind of told me who these people were. And, hey, if you can find Eden... The guy's name was Eden. He recently, fairly recently died flying a biplane. Uh, if you can find Eden and Heath and and meet up with them, tell them I sent you and you can have my portion of the patch. And I was kind of like, okay, you know, I didn't wasn't really counting on it, you know, but I, I met these people and, you know, had become slightly acquainted with them. And, uh, you know, one day I was just walking up the trail in this valley and I ran into Eden and he's, this is really funny. I, I tell this story from time to time. This is like one of those things where, you know, old school growers and, you know, especially before the internet was big into weed and everything, people had some like really harebrained ideas of like, little growers tricks and stuff. And he's got this spray bottle with this kind of brown liquid in it. And I run into him on the trail and he's like, oh man, I guess it was meant to be. We're right at the bottom of this hill. And he's like, follow me. And I follow him up this steep ass hill, like really steep, almost a cliff. We're like pulling ourselves up on roots. And we get up to this ridge and there's just kind of this little bird's nest up on this ridge with these plants. And they're like beautiful, you know, not really big, but like two or three foot tall plants, just really nice colas. And, uh, and I'm just stoked. It's the first time I've ever seen living weed plants, you know. And they probably aren't, weren't even as nice as I thought they were. I just was so stoked to see them. And, uh, and he's like got this spray bottle and he's like, yeah, this is an old grower's trick. You put a tablespoon of molasses in the water. And and he just proceeds to spray this whole bottle of molasses on these big, beautiful buds, you know. And, and he's like, eh, 
give some potassium or, or something. And I'm like, okay, great. You know, I, I thought I learned this like sweet trick. And now I'm thinking back, I'm like, so fucking weird, man. You're going to spray your almost ready buds down with molasses, but okay, you know. And uh, so that that's kind of where it started for me, man. I went out to this place. Um, you know, it's just like a free for all, absolute chaos, like hippie kind of place. I mean, there's, you know, it's a long hike out there. A lot of tourists come and go. A lot of hippies go out there. Definitely a fair share of just like straight up outlaws and, you know, people on the lam and shit like that. And, uh, you know, I spent that winter out there. I went out the following year, I believe. I spent another winter out there. And then a couple of years later, I went back and I stayed for like four years and just didn't leave. And uh, that was kind of like where I got my education, so to speak. Um, and it was wild out there, man. I mean, they would come out with helicopters all the time and try to chase everybody out and get all your weed plants. Uh, the first time I actually planted some weed and grew it, it was the same year. If you look back, you can find some stuff about it in the Kauai newspaper where they had had like the biggest bust that they have ever had out there that year. Right. I mean, it was like, I don't know, 60,000 plants or some crazy number like that. And so that year they got just like funding up the wazoo you know they got so much money to like eradicate these outlaw growers and they were flying in force that year so i got these seeds gifted to me and they're you know of course they're like oh it's train wreck or something like that and uh i had i had a, a buddy of mine that was he was kind of staying relatively close to where i was staying and so we weren't really partners but we were you know friends in the same neighborhood doing the same shit and uh you know i had like 20 plants about 20 24 plants and they're all in like i don't know one or two gallon little grow bags right and uh you know i had them all in this kind of little clearing opening with good sun and they were just little, man. They were they were like this tall, just little starts. And uh, I didn't even, I was just sleeping in my hammock at this point. Uh, and I'm laying there one morning and, and, and kind of like having this weird dream with all this noise. And, and I wake up and my buddy Matt is down below me yelling, just yelling at me, right? wake up come on we gotta go we gotta go and i like wake up and there's just like helicopters everywhere man there's like five helicopters they had this chinook helicopter like with the ones with the double blades you know and i like roll over in my hammock and i look and there's like guys coming down on lines and matt is yelling at me get the plants get the plants and i'm like what? So I get up and I start carrying these like grow bags with these little ass tiny plants, you know, and running back and forth to the, the how bush, which is like these weird trees that grow all in, intertwined. And, and all of a sudden I stop and I'm just like, what the fuck am I doing? You know, 
and I just like chucked this plant and I'm like, Matt, fuck these plants. Let's get out of here. You know? And I just like ran and fucking went up on this ridge where I had a good view and, and looked down and watched this whole chaos. It, it was so wild, man, to look back. And that was the first time I planted weed. And it was silly as hell because like I could have just sat right there. They would have walked right by and, and never even seen these little dinky little seedlings you know but uh <laughs> that year was nuts man it, of all the years i spent out there um that was the craziest year as far as like just helicopters coming out there in force they had like a library out there at one point where people would bring books and they found it and it like made the paper and if they weren't coming out there to get your weed, they were coming out there to try to get your tick, give you a ticket and kick you out of there. And they would just like tear up all your shit, you know, leave all your camp piled up in a pile. Uh, it was it was pretty wild, man. That, that was kind of that's where definitely where I got my start, started doing all this. Um, and I spent quite a bit, quite a few years out there. It was, it was addicting, you know complete freedom and uh, i mean i grew up in alaska uh, you know spent a lot of time in the bush here um hunting fishing just hiking camping uh, living out in the in the bush you know i a lot of my younger years were spent that way so to me going to hawaii and hanging out in the bush in hawaii was just like no, no problem, man. I, I can do this, man. There's, I'm not going to freeze to death. Ain't nothing going to eat me. Uh, the mosquitoes aren't that bad compared to here. You know, I mean, food everywhere. There's just like fruit trees, goats. There's loads of goats out there. You can snare goats. Uh, um, and it was gorgeous, man. Uh, beautiful. Just super beautiful. I mean, all of Hawaii is it's pretty gorgeous, but that place in particular kind of captivated me. I spent spent a lot of time out there. Um, didn't really get to see that much of the other islands because I just kind of found found that place and stuck there. Um, and yeah, it's it's so now you know I'm back in Alaska and um, I grow just exclusively indoors might try to stick a couple autoflower plants outside this summer but other than that it's strictly indoors and uh man it is way way easier it's just like so it can be really hard to pull something off in a place like that you know there's no i mean if you have some fertilizer you know you better count on having hype that shit out there so you know we would we would just make do with what we had out there and try to grow some weed. And, uh, it took me, it took me a while to figure it out. It's tough. All the bugs and pests and you name it. I've lost, uh, I lost thousands of plants out there to a whole number of things, just from the elements to rippers to, you know, bugs uh mushroom patches popping up and like lifting my plants out of the ground by the roots that was probably one of the crazier ones 
uh, toads, rats, wind, you know, 100% humidity for days on end, just like molding whole beautiful crops to death. Um, yeah. So now indoors, it's just like a breeze, man. You're in, you're in total control, you know. Um, worst thing I might deal with is maybe a power outage or like some of my equipment breaks down or a timer fails, you know. So that's a pretty amazing start. How do you not just go run out of control busting out from Alaska to Hawaii there? It would seem like that would be quite the environment change. Yeah, I was pretty over Alaska at that point, having spent my whole life here. Uh, and, and Hawaii seemed like a pretty obvious uh, change. So, uh, do you remember some of the genetics that you were, you guys had at that point, what you were working sure. on? Uh, yeah, definitely. Um, so one of the people I became real good friends with, uh, right off the bat was, uh, this fella named Zach. Um, and he, he was a, had been a, a cancer patient and, you know, he, he survived it and recovered, uh, multiple times. It came back and he recovered from it again, but he, uh, you know, by the time I met him, he had already kind of done the whole medical, uh, kind of thing in, in Oregon and made a really good connection out there who years later, you know, I, I've got to know him now and, and talk to him sometimes as well. But uh, this guy was like, you know, somebody kind of one of those people that you, you probably have never heard of, you know, not likely that you have, but, uh, you know, somebody who's done a lot of work over the years. Um, and he had, has, and had a really great genetic library. So I was really lucky to meet this person kind of right away. Um, and, you know, as far as the specific genetics that first go around, there's, there's not many that I can really name from like the first year. There's a few, like he had this one really amazing plant that he called Tatanka. Uh, and I believe that was a cross of a DJ Shorts flow, and I can't remember what the other parent was. Um, but he had a, a whole genetic library, and he kind of he kind of fucked with me a little bit. He didn't fuck with me. It was more like a, um, oh, let's see how you do with this kind of thing. One of the first things that he gave me to plant, he gave me a number of things, and some of them I, I really can't remember what they were. But I remember he had seeds of, um, uh, what is it, Cali Mist. Um, and he gave me some, some seeds that, at the, I mean, he said were pure haze. And he gave me both of those and a bunch of other stuff. But I remember those two specifically because he was like, I'm going to give you these to just see, see what you can pull off with them. You know, like they might not be... Uh, 
the best yielding or easy to grow but but you know here you go and um i actually did not get to harvest those plants i left them behind to somebody else um they were super long flowering and so i like went up on this ridge and i dug out this big ditch and i didn't know anything i was just kind of like flying by the seat of my pants i i dug out this big ditch I remember I lined it on the bottom with lava rocks because I had read or been told, you know, drainage is good. And then I filled it in with like the best soil I could scrape up from around the valley, you know, and I planted those starts in there and they got massive up on this ridge. And I remember when I finally left, I was like, okay, you know, I'm not going to harvest these plants. They're, you know, not even close to ready obviously and so i gave them to this dude and i remember when i went up and showed him where they were they were just they were going nuts man but they're they both were like really long flowering you know and those so those are the first ones that first year that i really can remember other than that like for a lot of for a lot of the time it was just kind of like whatever uh any seeds that i could get my hands on and so it didn't really have names you know it, maybe it did but i didn't really know what it was or they didn't tell me uh uh you know whatever i mean anything that came my way i would grow um you know when i moved back and the time when i stayed there for uh about four years i was out there that that was different so you know at that point i've been growing for quite a few years uh i'd been around the u.s a, a bit you know i went to had been to california and done the kind of like uh trim thing one year went out to colorado and worked at a ski resort and kind of got a little bit in with a couple of people out there that did like the indoor medical stuff. And, and so I had by that time kind of, you know, a little better grasp on what was going on with genetics and whatnot. So when I got back, I, I definitely took better note of things like that. Um, uh, I had met a number of people. There's a few people that, you know, I'll, I'll sort of shout out who who gave me really great things. Uh, one of them was my friend Zach that I mentioned earlier. There was another character, uh, and he might be watching this right now, Mowgli. I, I got a lot of really cool shit from that guy, uh, some of which is in some of my work today that I still use, kind of way back in the lineage but but it's in there uh you know he he brought a ton of stuff out there i mean he he gave me a lot of seeds and it, and it was cool he came back one time and like kind of lost everything he had and then like i ran into him and i had all this stuff from his work that i had you know made f2s or or whatever of a lot of it and so i was able to give some of his stuff back to him um, he had a Burmese Kush, which I actually just a few days ago got back in touch with this dude. And I haven't talked to him in like six years. 
And so I have like a, a major correction to make on the Burmese Kush. For the longest time, I thought it was Burmese Kush from TH Seeds, and it, it's not at all. It's his own creation of Burmese, and I forget what OG Kush or something. So it's kind of like a his his take on a Burmese Kush. So I've got to revise my notes on a lot of my lines there because I've been operating under the false pretense that it was like, you know, further work from the TH seeds stuff, uh, which is fine. I mean, you know, I'm not embarrassed to correct myself on things like that. Um, that Burmese Kush was really nice and he had a bunch of stuff. I remember there was this one that, uh, it, it didn't really do great in the environment for yields because out there it's like 12, 12, right? All it's just pretty much 12, 12. I think the longest day is like 13 hours and 40 minutes maybe, or, or something like that. So, you know, solstice on the longest day is most plants are just going to flower like year round, especially indoor varieties. And that was what I learned, you know, especially where I was, I didn't have electricity. And so I wasn't, I didn't have any lights to keep things in veg, which when you do, it's, it's pretty sweet out there. You can just veg your plants up and you can just put your plants outside when they get to the size you want any time of the year and they go into flower. So, you know, had I not been living in the bush, like I was, I would have definitely been doing that. Uh, that's what I think, you know, most folks out there do is they'll veg in their closet or whatever under a t5 or whatever and then you just chuck your plants out in the backyard and they go right into flower um but i didn't have that luxury and there was a couple tricks that i learned later but the best trick you could have was to have really equatorial genetics um they would do well on those shorter days whereas like some of them like this plant that i was talking about earlier which we i think we named it we nicknamed it the giggle kush because it was definitely some like happy weed that would make you feel silly um and i think the genetics on that if i remember what he told me it was og crossed with gd granddaddy perps g13 you know, and, and I don't know the exact uh, provenance on the G13 or any of that, but but that was the name of them. I'm sure of it. That was the, the lineage that he told me. And those plants were amazing, man. Like, and then again, they just, you know, we would get like maybe an ounce of plant tops because the shit would just go right into flower. But it was it was nice. Some indoor bud, though, you know, uh, this guy was coming from Washington, I believe. And pretty most of his stuff was more suited to indoor. Uh, but that was one I really liked. You know, there was like kind of a number of things that I came across that were just like some dude's special thing that maybe had he given a name or whatever um there was quite a few things like that 
that uh, I really liked. Uh, I wish I would have. And so that, so that's, that's kind of what got me into breeding in the first place, right? Was um, not being able to keep a clone really, which wasn't exactly the case, but I'll get to that. Um, not being able to keep clones. And I like quite a few times, like kind of harvested my way into not having any weed to grow anymore because I didn't have any seeds or you know also like a few times I made seeds but I didn't use the best plants and it was kind of a drag because you know I didn't want to seed the really nice plant that I had because it was looking so good which is kind of counterintuitive right but it's like you want the sense Amelia and uh ending up having like some really subpar seeds several times and at some point I kind of was like okay I need to make sure I have good seed and and that that's that's what really got me into breeding was that longer stretch when I lived out there I was out there for four years and uh you know running out of seed or not having any good seed was a real drag, man. Like, you know, you can't grow good bud without good seed. And uh, that, that really got me focusing in on like trying to make sure that I didn't lose things. Cause I lost some of the things that I lost out there. I mean, I would trade a lot to get them back or even have a cross from them, you know? uh so yeah um another thing i got out there that i still work with today um is durbin poison crossed with top skunk was gifted to me by my friend zach who i mentioned earlier and you know I, i've done a ton of work with that i'm sure that you know a number of people are watching right now have gotten some kind of iteration of that line i've you know got f i've got back recently some of the f1s from the guy who made it which is really cool because uh, for the longest time i've only had either f2s or f3s i have done some back cross work with it um open pollinate i open pollinated the f2s because i was getting really low on them kept clones of all that and then you know made some f3 selections did some back crossing um that plant uh and that line in general did really well in the climate in hawaii and it, it does pretty well indoors too for a sativa type plant you know it's it's not super long flowering. It's got a, a pretty uh, acceptable structure. You know, it's not, it's not, I mean, I have some other stuff that I really like, but it's just like, it's a bitch to deal with indoors. Uh, like I actually, I work with this Hawaiian heirloom that uh, kind of came from this area but i i received it from a friend of mine after i had left he came to alaska and uh fished with me for a couple of weeks and hung out and he brought these heirlooms back and it's it's uh 
it's a really great plant. It's really special, but it's a bitch to grow indoors, man. And it flowers for 13 plus weeks. Um, you kind of have to flower them out really small or they will just go wild on you and grow right past your lights in no time. And so the Durban poison crossed with the top skunk is, is for a sativa type plant like that, uh, a lot more suitable for indoors. And it also did really well in the Hawaiian climate. Um, kind of the thing with, with Hawaii, like I was saying, is the shorter days. And what I found is that plants like this, regardless of how short or long the days are, a lot of them will just, they'll get to a certain size before they become sexually mature and start flowering. So, you know, if you have a, if you have a plant like the Durban top skunk or say this Hawaiian heirloom, or maybe a Colombian or something equatorial, you can get a pretty nice plant. You know, you can get a nice big plant out there. Whereas something like, uh, you know, the, what I say earlier, the OG GDP G13 shit like that. It's like, it'll be nice, bud, but you, I mean, sometimes you'll just get like a little popsicle stick with a you know, just a little nug on it, you know, and it's like the best thing you've got in your stash, but you've only got like two grams, you know. So, uh, the equatorials and and things that are acclimated to that sort of a you know climate are were just a lot more suitable. And you definitely have a lot of beautiful stuff on your page there. Uh, Thank you. So I can't help but wonder. So as well, you got a lot of you do a lot of fishing, man. Do you implement yeah. some of this fish into the garden work at all? As a uh, um, input, you know, I have in the past. You know, I was doing some of the Korean natural farming. Um, you know, I, I have done that a bit. It's been a long time. I've kind of gone away from a lot of it. And just being really busy, I've kind of simplified things for myself a lot to where now I, I don't get, I don't get real complicated, man. I do like just what I consider a really healthy, good soil. I'll do a little bit of top dressing. Um, God, I haven't even really been doing compost teas in a while. Uh, I've just been using shit like Recharge and EM1. I've gotten lazy. I'll be honest with you. Not lazy. I'm not lazy, but I got a lot going on. I work two jobs, have a family. Um, so it's been a while, but I have. I have made some of the... Uh, uh, what do you call it? Uh, fish amino acids. And, and I'll be honest, I, I was, I was a huge fan of that stuff. I would like to get back into it sometime. Uh, some of the, some of my favorite stuff that I've grown, uh, was, was definitely with the Korean natural farming inputs. Um, you know, and, and it's, it's a really, 
badass uh, methodology. I just haven't, I haven't done it in a while. The only thing I really do anymore is just the lactobacillus. Which, you know, if you haven't, if you're listening and you haven't looked into it, lactobacillus is like the king, man. That stuff is, is, I would not skip it. That's for sure. Um, you know, the first time I saw a recipe for it, I was just like, what? I'm going to do what? I'm going to take some, what? Some fucking rice and milk and do what? And, and then I'm going to water my plant. I don't know, man. I was just like, I don't fucking think so. Uh, and I just totally ignored it like several times. And then later on, I, I went for it and like learned more about it and was like, okay, okay. Uh, facultative anaerobic bacteria. Okay. Okay. And, and I, that's one of the things that I definitely don't skip on anymore. I use it. <clears throat> Definitely uh, good stuff for sure. Dirt Road Dude in chat wanted me to ask you uh, about your sweet lady of Nepal, Hawaii. Sweet uh, of Nepal. Right. So that's the one I mentioned earlier. Uh, it was it was given to me through a friend. I actually so I've been working on a podcast. Um, it's it's going to be kind of, it's a, a fishing and cannabis genetics kind of a, a thing. And I have actually, it's the only one I've finished is the full story of that line, but I'll kind of touch on it. Um, it was gifted to me by my friend, Freddie. And he, you know, what he told me was, you know, this is like a pure Hawaiian land race is what he said but if you kind of like research a little bit heirloom is probably the more accurate and appropriate term um and he was like you know it's it's really special it's not uh you know it's not been adulterated and at the time it's kind of this weird thing you know this kind of character that I won't name came along and, and was like, Oh yeah, this is the sweet lady of Wyaholi or the Wyaholi sweet. And I haven't had this weed since like 1985 or something, which is like 30 years later, you like encounter some weed and you're like, this is that weed from 30 years ago. I don't know, like kind of suspicious or whatever, you know, I don't really believe it, but Anyway, so whether or not it is that, I, I don't know, but it's it's definitely a, a very pure um, heirloom line, equatorial. It's it's long flowering. Um, it's got some really cool terps. Um, it it's the closest thing I've seen to being like an IBL. Um, all the plants are really close to the same. Uh, they've all got the same smell. I, I haven't come across one yet that doesn't have the same smell. Some will be a little sweeter. Some will be a little earthier. But it's got this, like, it's a mixture of, like, pineapple and, like, a, a fungal 
earthy log rotting on the forest floor. If that makes sense, you know, if you've ever like pulled apart a rotten log down in the dingy earth with mushrooms growing out of it, it's got that kind of a earthy funk. And it's, um, you know, it's long flowering. It stretches a ton, like just stretches absolutely insane. I When I grow it indoors, I flower it out at like eight to 12 inches tall and I'll end up with like a three to four foot plant. And, you know, I've flowered out like two foot plants of it and they end up being like seven feet tall and growing up into the lights. Um, it's very well suited to grow outdoors in a place like Hawaii, but, uh, and you can do really well with it indoors, but you know, you just have to, you have to flower them out small. It, it's kind of like if you were going to grow a haze or something indoors, you know, you got to plan for that shit. You can't, you can't veg it very long at all. In fact, like I, I would just clone it, uh, you know, plant it and it's forever home, maybe veg it for like three or four days just to let it set its roots down and flower it. It's, it's not one that, um, it, it's not one you want to let get too big. It won't yield well either when you do that. Uh, it'll fill out really nice if you flower them small. It takes a long time, 13 weeks plus. Um, it, it's, it's got, it's probably not very high THC. I haven't had it tested. Um, I get a lot of my stuff tested uh, in a lab here, but, you know, I haven't got that one tested. But if I had to guess, like probably not more than, 13 or 14 percent thc uh but it's it's got a really good kind of like um euphoric uh i call it third eye weed because you really it's like you feel it right here uh it makes you feel real good um kind of i would say probably you know antidepressant type properties um it's really good for being you know doing something maybe when you need to be a little bit mindful and you don't want to get totally blasted. Daytime smoke that I believe you would call that. <laughs> yeah. But, but a lot of the other kind of daytime, I don't know, you know, low anxiety. It, it's, it's not an anxiety type sativa which is a lot of them, in my opinion. So uh, what else of, uh, are you working on there? What else can they uh, find in your genetics? Uh, just in general? Yeah, what else, uh, yeah, what's available, I guess. Okay, um, well... Uh, right now, I'm working on testing a lot of different of my Nugs Bunny crosses, which Nugs Bunny is, uh, I have this specific cut that we labeled peanut butter. And, you know, that was part of a really, pr pr the biggest pheno uh, hunt I've done. Um, we did like three separate seed pops and a total of like right around 300 seeds 
maybe a little less or a little more, right around 300 seeds we went through. And um, out of everything we hunted, I kept two that I still have today. One is the peanut butter. The other we call lime fuel aid. And, um, you know, the Nugs Bunny is the peanut butter crossed with a poison skunk F3. And the poison skunk was like a specific clone of the Durban poison top skunk that I mentioned earlier. And you mind if I show them a picture of it while we talk? Yeah, absolutely. Lots of Nugs Bunny pictures on. Um, so we're done. That's what we're talking about. Crosses I've done with that line. Uh, I've made some F2s. I crossed it to a bunch of different, uh, you know, clones. Um, shout out to uh, Tony Filial Feel Boneyard Seeds. Uh, he's been kind enough to really stoke me out with a number of nice cuts. Uh, the only person that I've ever taken cuts from is that guy. So I, I crossed uh, a Nugs Bunny male to everything he gave me. He gave me, uh, let's see, the SFV, the Roberts Creek Congolese, um, let's see, uh, the GMO. Uh, uh, I'm kind of drawing a blank here. There's more I, I can't think of right off, but but yeah, I've, I've crossed, uh, done a lot of crosses with that. That's kind of what I'm working on right now is growing all of those out. Uh, the Afku, the Afku is, is like one of my all time favorite plants, just period, hands down. Um, I like the way it grows. I like the way it smells. Uh, I really like the, the effect. It seems to be really suitable for me morning, day or night, which, you know, not a lot of them seem to do that for me. One, usually they're kind of one or the other. Um, doesn't put me to sleep, doesn't get me paranoid, uh, definitely gets me ripped though. And, uh, I mean, it's, it's got just a really, in I'm not a big fruit strain person usually, but that one, um, is exceptional and really, really gets me. Uh, those are the first ones they're, they're, they've passed testing at this point i'm about to harvest them soon uh, i think like nine nine phenotypes i think i flowered out here on this run and uh uh th those went really well um and definitely afgu dominant but uh uh yeah so um bunch of nugs bunny crosses on the way um you know I, i've got a number of different hawaiian heirloom things that i've crossed to that hawaiian heirloom the sweet lady um you know i've got a lot of stuff that's like on backlog that i just haven't gotten around to growing out yet and uh I'm pretty big on that, you know, I don't like, 
I mean, I might give some away or something, and especially if somebody wants to try it, but um, I'm not trying to, I'm definitely not looking to make money off of any seeds that I haven't grown out myself. And I like to get other people to test for me too when I can, but uh, even when I do that, I still grow them out myself and kind of at the very least, just get an idea of, you know, what's in there and you know, there's a lot of failure when I do that. So that's kind of really taught me the importance of it is like, you know, for every success, there's usually two or three failures anyway. And, uh, you know, that's not always the case, but, you know, sometimes you combine two things together that you really are excited about and you really think they're going to work and they just don't, it just don't work together. You know, they don't combine well. And, uh, you know, be it whatever, hermaphrodites or just lame plants, you know, some shit's just okay, too okay, not good enough. Um, I like to see at least a fairly high rate of, you know, things that somebody's going to consider a keeper. Uh, you know, you might grow it out and realize that you just don't like it because it's not your bag, but you know, um, I like to, uh, like to get an idea of what I've got before I, you know, pass it out. There's going to be super, super respectable, by the way. I, I didn't mean to jump in on you, but man, I do. I find that really respectful. A lot of breeders today want to move forth so fast build up that stock that they don't even want to they don't i don't know if they i don't want to say they don't want to take time to run their own stock but they rely on the testers so they can be keep building the bank but i i actually prefer your approach to it you know you know you got to stand by what you're producing and ultimately you, you should be the final word so that's very respectful that uh, you're a part of the testing uh, phase of of your seeds, which I believe you should be. But I, uh, again, pretty awesome. Your final word, right on. Flat Thank on. you. Yeah, you know, um, definitely. Um, you know, testing isn't everything per se, but uh, it, it's it's very important to me. And you know, a lot of the people that I look up to and respect. Um, you know, I, I won't be earning their respect without doing that work. So, you know, that's, that's where I'm at with it. I want to, I want to do the work. I enjoy doing the work. So, you know, that's kind of why I've been doing it in the first place is that I enjoy it. And uh, yeah, yeah, man. Thanks. You think, thanks a lot for that compliment, man. I appreciate it. And, you know, not to like, throw shade on people that aren't doing that or whatever but you know i think it's the right way <clears throat> i agree i agree uh can you tell me a little bit about your poison berry skunk v2 sure the v2 um so the poison berry skunk was kind of an odd one that just was not really something I was that even excited about in the beginning, but just kind of like a pollen chuck I did 
somebody had gifted me some seeds of Marionberry Kush F2s that they made. And, you know, it was, it was a, it was one of a, a lot of plants that a lot of seeds that I planted over the course of one winter about, I think like five years ago, six years ago. And, uh, I really liked two things about the Marionberry Kush. It was really fast flowering. Um, one of the females was like done, done in like seven weeks and would start like degrading, um, and really really tight structure and low stretch like almost no stretch at all uh probably the least i've seen from any plant ever and you know that kind of caught my eye and i almost tossed out the mail and i held on to it and you know just i didn't have anything else i was working on breeding at that time so i just flowered out that mail and kind of pollen chucked it to a few things that I had. And one of them was a Durban Poison Top Skunk F2. Uh, and, you know, I, I held onto those seeds for a bit before I grew them out. And then when I grew them out, I was pretty blown away uh, by the rate of success out of them. I mean, really beautiful plants. Um, and the, the, you know, the phenotype that I used of Durban Poison Top Skunk was one of the kind of crazier, lankier, long, spindly, needs to be almost in like a scrognet kind of plants. And so they were definitely, the two were pretty polar opposites as far as structure. And uh, they combined really well. And they, they made, you know, some really nice offspring. Um, one of the better lines that I've actually made as far as being, uh, just a really high success rate in the seeds. Um, I didn't really have any that were bad in any way. Definitely some were like louder smelling than others. And if anything, if I could say anything really bad about it, a couple of them were just kind of bland on the terps but a lot of them were the opposite of that. And a lot of really nice color. If you scrolled back away, so you can probably find some poisonberry skunk on there that, uh, you know, will have some really nice violet um, type of hues, purples, uh, not dark purples though, light purples. It does this thing that you'll see some plants do on a lot of the phenos where the leaf is like green on the top and purple on the bottom you know, with kind of like the edge of the bottom of the leaves having a, a brighter kind of pink purple. Uh, I love, I love seeing that. It's super pretty. Um, and so, you know, the, the male that I use to make Nugs Bunny and also the Poison Skunk Back Cross um, is the same male that I used for the uh, poisonberry skunk v2 and basically i took one of the poisonberry skunks that i liked the most and uh hit it with that male 
and I, I've had nothing but success from that mail. Um, and so there's actually uh, shout out to uh, Speakeasy Seed Bank and, you know, Morgan and Blind Tiger uh, and Alien Genetics. Uh, they're doing a 420 drop tomorrow for Alien. And if anybody wants to grab any of my gear or Blaze It Panda is also throwing in some freebies in there. Uh, there's going to be some Poison Skunk, Bat Cross and some nugs bunny going out with those um and they they both use the same mail it's uh it was a poison skunk f3 um same one in the poison berry skunk v2 and you know i haven't sold any of the poison berry skunk v2 i've just been giving them out as freebies with anything that people get for me um i haven't grown many of them out uh i i definitely haven't fully tested that one yet i've grown a couple uh a uh, fellow up in anchorage has grown for actually more than me he he's grown like maybe a dozen of those um and you you'll 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 get probably a majority i would say so far kind of have the fruity uh fruit leather type terps and then uh you know, some of them will lean a little more in the in the poison skunk direction. And you know, the poison skunk is super high terpenoline. Uh, it's also got pretty high levels of osamine and D three carine. Um, those are kind of the three dominant terpenes in most of the Durban top skunk type stuff. Um, You'll find odd ones that don't have like any terpenoline. And I would guess those ones are leaning more in the top skunk direction. Uh, and a little history on that, on the top skunk. Um, top skunk is, and I only learned that, see, I learned things about the stuff I've been working with and revise information when I learn it, but, uh, you know, I worked with that line for quite a few years before I really got in touch with the person who actually made it and had a chance to talk to them. So for a long time, I kind of thought Top Skunk was probably just his selection of a skunk one, more than likely that, I mean, and I mean, this is, this was just an assumption that I operated on for a long time was, oh, Top Skunk, it's probably his top selection you know like you know you you wouldn't call it skunk one because it's already skunk one right so you would call your favorite selection of it top skunk and that's totally wrong um it is a skunk one back cross using an afghani for the outcross so he used a male from that top skunk line in that cross. And anyway, it's not a skunk one. It's a skunk one back cross using an Afghani male for the outcross. And, uh, you know, that kind of makes sense to me, you know, through adding some Afghani into something like that. Uh, I kind of went off on a tangent there. Forgot where we were going. <laughs> We were talking, a couple, of course, about the poison berry skunk 
B2 is where we started off with before the tangent, but I love the tangents. You know what yeah. I mean? I, I do. I love the sways, the squirrels, as we call them around here. Uh, it, that's why I try not to, to uh, just get out of the way, to be honest with you, when it comes to talking with my guests, because I feel that they just get more more out of it with the squirrels and stuff like that. So I appreciate it. Squirrel all you want on any of the yeah. questions. Yeah, all right. With you. So, so I'm looking at this uh, Dank Sinatra. Is that yours? That's a beautiful, that's a beautiful gal right there. Oh, How was that part of the program? Sinatra was made by Bodie. Nice. Yeah. It'll be on Saturday. Oh, really? Excellent. Yeah. Wait, Bodie or Green Bodie? Green Bodie. Green different, Bodie. Different person. Oh. Uh, 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 Bodie and Green Bodie are not the same person. The Dank Sinatra was made by Bodie. Bodie C. Yep. Or Bodie. I don't know how you pronounce it, actually. I've mainly only seen it in written form. Uh, yeah, so I haven't actually worked with that one in quite a while. I... I, I used a mail from that line and I crossed it to everything I had at the time. And this is a perfect example of how things that have really great, great qualities don't always work for breeding. Um, I mean, I've made some selections out of those and I will always save those seeds and probably dive into them again. But holy shit, I mean, Herm City, man. I mean, like, not just like a couple nanners on the bottom. Like, I mean, like 70 or 80% of the plants. And I have grown a lot of stuff out of those crosses. And like, I mean, both of the parents are really stable. I never seen any Herms off of any of the parents in any of those crosses. But dude, they did not combine well. Um, and the Dank Sinatra is uh, the what they call the 78 LA Affy crossed with 88 G13 hash plant, which I later learned that Bodie kind of did his own revision at some point. I, I guess there was some nonsense about that LA Affy not really being what somebody said it was or something like that. And Bodie's really cool like that. He's just like, uh, you know, oh, I, I was wrong or, or, you know, I used it. I said it was that or so, something changed with that. I forget what it was. Like it, it wasn't really what they said it was, I think, or something to that effect. But that's how it was labeled when I got it. It was 78 LA Affy crossed with the 88 G13 hash plant. And uh, I mean, they were really nice, you know, what, what you might call like an indica type plant, really tight structure, um, really nice tight golf ball, dense buds, real resinous, uh, real sedative, um, you know, definitely like couch lock, put you on your ass type smoke. Um, and I liked it a lot. I was, I was, I really had high hopes for that male. Um, Cause it was, it was a bean pole, man, this thing, you couldn't even, it was a bitch to clone because you couldn't get clones 
you couldn't get it to branch. It just, it wanted to grow straight up and it didn't like to put out branches. They, it would grow these little, just little branches off of the main stock and it just wanted to go straight up. And, uh, you know, I, I thought it was really interesting and, and crossed it to everything I had available to cross it to at the time. But yeah, it was just Herm City, man. I mean, everything. Um, I, I planted, I want to say, like 30 of the poison skunk across to the Dank Sinatra. And I ended up with only one that I could even harvest. And even that one hermed out a little bit. You know? <laughs> I, I lost it happens there. That's how it goes, man. That's just how it is sometimes. Definitely a beautiful plant, though. The one you were able to uh, to get there, the one I was looking at, definitely fire, fire, we're, fire, fire. We're looking at the the Dank Sinatra, yeah. pure, yeah. And and that one didn't hurt ever at all. Like not even so much as a nanner off of it. But I didn't have many to select from for that either i i think just one pack was all i had <clears throat> what's one one of your favorite strains to grow so far man it looks like you've done you've grown quite a bit man beautiful work by the way all the way all the way yeah. down the page all right uh will not be disappointed if you check it out that's for sure you know um i would have to uh I'd have to say the skadoosh, which I don't have anymore. Um, it was one that my buddy Mowgli had given me four seeds. You know, I, it's a it's a long story, so I'll just dive into it. Uh, the skadoosh, um, I selected out of only four seeds that I had. It was the first indoor grow I ever did. And I planted some of the Durban poison top skunk and some of the skadoosh. And I kept my skadoosh selection alive for like almost five years. And I finally lost it like a dummy. Um, I, I kind of like did the thing where you put a plant outside in the summer to rejuvenate and you know, it had been in clone indoors for all this time and uh, vegged it up really nice and got it really healthy and um, just got busy with work and a frost came and killed it. And then I just didn't have the skadoosh anymore. Um, and I was always trying to get somebody to back it up for me and I just never could. Um, and then, yeah, I had that. I had those two plants left that I put outside and they froze to death but the skadoosh was i mentioned earlier the burmese kush and of course i've been talking all day about the skunk the durban top skunk and skadoosh is those two plants and so you know um And, you know, I sort of made it. I sort of didn't make it. I had a hand in, in making that cross. Uh, 
my friend Mowgli had a hand in making that cross. My friend Zach had a hand in making that cross. Um, but but definitely I've I've done a ton of work from it. That's where Nugs Bunny comes from. Um, I outcrossed that plant with the Marionberry Kush and then did a male selection from that and back cross to the skadoosh um and those 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 plants there's not a ton of those seeds left but uh you know that's one of the things i'm really proud of um we ran a bunch of those in a facility that i was working at and it just like broke records on terpenes um you know it, it the highest terpenes we found in that line i mean you can find the test results on my page somewhere. So, you know, I'm not just talking out of my ass here, but uh, we hit 7.9% terpenes on flour. And I mean, it had like 3% terpenaline. Um, and, and honestly, I tell people this all the time. That weed was nasty. It was like unsmokable. It was like uh, fucking paint thinner mothballs just tasted horrible to me i mean it when you smoked it it was just gross man i i mean it did not have a flavor of something i wanted to be inhaling um i much preferred the things that were more in like the four and five percent terpene range and we we got we did a lot of different lab results on that we had four percent five percent six percent uh and, and lower ones we had ones that were two and three percent terpenes but you know it was typically not that high of thc either it was like 18 to 24 percent range um so anyway uh yeah I, I would say like if i had to choose something that has been uh you know kind of a cornerstone for me it would be that skadoosh you know, it, it led to the Nugs Bunny, uh, the Skadoosh BX with the terpenes. I mean, the clone itself that I kept was just one of my favorite smokes. Um, and, you know, I was bullshitting with my buddy about it just a couple nights ago and just how strange of a plant it was. It would, it would usually be the same, but every now and then, I would grow it in kind of like maybe a different environment and soil mix. And it would occasionally do this thing where normally it was really limey, really gassy and piney were kind of the main things you would, you know, smells you would get from it. And then occasionally I would switch something major up, you know, like totally different soil mix or different lighting and yada, yada, maybe different nutrients. And it would suddenly become like this gassy mixed berry and just be like, I mean, it, the structure would change too. It would be a totally different plant and I could never quite figure out like how to get it to do that, you know, because I actually, you know, I mean, I really liked the limey piney gas, but I actually like that gassy mixed berry even more, but I could never it just, it, I could never steer it that way. It would just occasionally go that way. And I never could figure out why or, or how to make it do 
do that again, but you know, I've probably seen it do that maybe, I don't know, a few times. I grew it for like almost five years, but um, you know, that's what phenotype is though. You know, phenotype is not set in stone. It's, you know, environment plus your genetics equals phenotype. And so that's what that is. You know, it's one plant has multiple phenotypes and I could never figure out what, what made that plant do that occasionally. But when it did, it was always a pleasant surprise. It would be like crunch berries. Like if you poured uh, gasoline into your bowl of crunch berries. I'm a definitely a fan of the, uh, the pine line too. Yeah. With you. So I can't help but wonder or ask, uh, what's what was the bud structure like on that seven terpene uh, phenol there? Um, you know, it, it was kind of a classic Christmas tree. You know, definitely, I would say classic Christmas tree type bud structure. Which most of the Skadoosh BX1 had that classic Christmas tree look to it. You know? They, they would branch out. I asked. out with the candelabra and then the main cola. Um, and, and most of them that I grew in testing and, and whatnot, we didn't really top them. We would, we would just grow them natural. Um, if you go way back somewhere, you'll see a whole bunch of pictures of, of that Skadoosh BX1. And, you know, we, we thoroughly tested that line, um, you know, over the course of about a year, we grew out probably, I mean, I'd have to go back and look 40 or 50 females. I ask because a lot of times that uh, you get when you find uh, terpene profiles that are high, the bud structure is usually a little bit more on the larfier side, not as tight, but closer, you know, um, a little more airy. Um, most of them weren't what I would call larfy. They weren't rock hard, most of them either, but, um, you know, they were, they had adequate density. Long flower time as well. Nope, not too not too long on that one. No. Uh, Ten weeks at most, but most of them were in the nine week range. You know that I used the that Marionberry Kush with the outcross when I before I selected the male for the back cross, and you know that. Like I was saying earlier, that plant was just so fast, you know, like really fast. Um, you know, seven, eight weeks, I'm done. And it was a weird one, too, like, because when it was done, it would just start degrading and dying. Like it was like and I like to uh, especially like maybe the first couple times that I grow a plant. Um, I like to let them get ripe, like ripe ripe 
and uh that one was just like no i'm fucking done i'm gonna die it would it would the buds would start you know just dying turning brown it it didn't like to go along you i don't think you could take you, you couldn't have taken that plant 10 weeks it would have just been literally just rotting dying it would get uh it would just start dying back like you know sort of bud rot i guess turning brown it it just it was just fast and it really something that oh sorry go ahead nope that was it really started that you know fast flower time I was just going to say there, uh, you brought up something that feels real important about in the testing process is to let them uh, come up au naturel, at least that first round, to see what the structure of the plant is, what how it expresses uh, the naturally before you start to nip, manipulate the plant, heavy tapping, doing anything else to it. Uh, I believe... Uh, I've said this ever since I've worked with some uh, testing is a multiple round procedure. You know, yeah. you shouldn't be rushed to put out that report on a one run and done. And I actually feel it's on top of that, on, on top of the no tapping or letting it come up uh, au naturel thing is I think it kind of changes a little bit as it matures, even through the clone phase, the next round. They're still maturing and showing traits. So I yeah. think a lot of people actually rush through that testing phase. So again, uh, another reason why, you know, props for you for doing some of the testing yourself so you can compare yeah. to what's coming in. Yeah, and, and I agree with you completely. Um, you know, the mountains of anecdotal evidence uh, more or less prove it for me is that, yeah, as you hang on to a plant and clone it and acclimate it, um, it, it doesn't behave the same way over time. There's also a major difference between a seed plant and a clone. You know, I mean, there's differences in the hormones in the plant and, you know, acclimating to your environment, you know, epigenetics and all that. Uh, I mean a lot of times a seed plant will just like, you know, crush it and yield just like beastly. Um, or I, you know, uh, you know, boneyard, Tony, uh, Matt riot, uh, not so dog. I've, I've heard a lot of these people talk about this, that like, you know, a lot of times a plant from seed, will herm out just a little bit whereas the subsequent clone generations once you acclimate your plant won't and you know i don't really have like a a full solid grip on how and why but i've seen that you know i've seen that a number of times where like a lot of times a plant from seed will uh you know throw a few nuts off the bottoms you know usually not a ton um, you know, in, unless it's a little more than, than just 
that like maybe it's baked into the genetics of being kind of hermy if you see a lot but a lot of times you know um, and that's why so you know I don't always do this but I'm doing it right now with a couple of my Nugs Bunny crosses is it's really fun and interesting to when you're doing the testing run the seed plants next to clones of the same plants and I mean, sometimes you'll see really major differences in that. And I actually like to run the seed plants still. Um, you know, for a while, I was kind of just growing up plants from seed, cloning them, and then ditching the seed mother. But um, then I kind of realized, well, shit, that's kind of valuable information that I'm missing out on there. Uh, you can... You know, then you then you get to see the difference. And there are lines, and the Durban Poison Top Skunk is one of these, that they won't ever throw pollen as a seed plant. Durban Poison Top Skunk, I've grown hundreds. I mean, approaching probably thousands, and I've never seen it herm ever. Um, I've seen a, a couple odd phenotypes that at the very late in flower, when you really push them, they'll push out like one or two little nanners, but they don't even seem to produce any pollen. Um, but so there are lines. I know there's lines that like the Durban skunk, man, I've grown that in. It's definitely of everything I have. I've grown it in the most different environments and um, a ton of times right from seed. And I've never, ever once had any issues with it. Indoors, outdoors, um, LED lights, HPS, double-ended HPS, ceramic metal halide, grown in the shade, grown in the full sun. Um, you know, fed really well and kept healthy and, you know, deficient. I've, I've grown it in a massive range of environments and, you know, different circumstances. And it's, it's as a seed line, not even as clones, it is mega super stable. And, you know, it, it, it's the only thing that I'll really a hundred percent say that about that I, that I've worked with. Um, so another thing I think maybe that, uh, at least from my experience that you brought up is that, uh, maybe a little bit of herming, you know, in the beginning phase of, uh, between, uh, seed maturing. I think some of that is a lot, like you're saying, uh, it's just kind of going through that acclimation phase or getting used to you. Uh, to be honest with you, I find that sometimes, uh, it, at least in my testing experience, strains have actually been thrown out of the mix because of that. And just because of the non-understanding of what we're getting ready to talk about there. I think sometimes that early on uh, herming process is just pushing the plant 
a little bit harder than she wants to be, a little bit higher nitrogen in the flower phase than she likes or getting used to. Like you've kind of pointed out, second, third runs, they're a little bit used to, more used to the program, the higher feeding regimen and tend not to do it. But in that first, first, second rounds, yeah, they don't, they're, they're still getting kind of used to being pushed, pushed, keyword here, a little bit harder than they want to be. So uh, sometimes, yeah, I do, I do, yeah, see a uh, little bit of herming early on and some good genetics that just is part of the curve. It's just part of the learning yeah. curve with that, that, that training. You know, I, I don't even necessarily write things off because of it right away anymore. You know, if I see it pop up a little bit, I'll keep a close eye. And um, a lot of times, you know, you pull a couple of them bottom little bud sites off that have that and then you never see it again you know and sometimes it just goes nuts and it's just baked in and you know then you just got to call those plants they're just not suitable but yeah I, I mean i'm i'm not an expert man but i read a lot and i listen to a lot of different people and try to learn a lot and i definitely think that uh different levels of intersex can happen for a range of reasons and i sort of think all of it to some extent is sort of a survival mechanism for the plant you know i mean the plant wants to make seed that's it's kind of it's just like you know the nature of living things to reproduce is kind of their main goal and that's a you know biological insurance plan for the plant is kind of how I always thought of it. Right on. I totally agree. I I'm totally going to step for a second and uh, use the restroom. Yeah, no problem. I'll talk with chat for a second. Sure. Cheers, everybody. Penny Pepper Little Rubbers in chat. Justin Station. P.U.'s. Blue Kiss Gardens, nice to see you guys. Stony Rockefeller, T. Barrington, Rim Purple, how you doing? Lower Camp, always a pleasure. Of course, Major in the house, how you doing? Dank Kind, Weedus 207, happy 420 to all you guys. Hopefully, you guys are well primed for today. I know I am most certainly ready. Mirandy Family Farms, hopefully, we'll see you later this evening, this morning. In the 420 events, of course, Tao, how you doing, my friend? Always a pleasure. Decoy Bacon. Yoda Groves will be here next week. Cheers to you, Yoda. Can't wait to hear your story firsthand. Of course, I know Yoda real life from uh, my, my favorite, one of my old favorite hydroponic stores, but not seeing that anymore. Seeing how. Uh, yeah, whatever. So, yeah, cheers, everybody. I see Chiba Man in chat. Modern genetics, always a pleasure. What are you guys smoking on? Why don't you throw that in chat? I always enjoy seeing what the flavors are floating around in chat. Need to roll me some up, man. My Uber is out already. I've already went through one. 
Ah, it doesn't matter, Yoda. It doesn't matter. Either way, we're looking forward to meeting you, my friend, or letting the community meet you. It's well worth it. Well worth it, brother. Jet fuel pie sounds pretty good. Panamel Reds is our flavor. Favorite too. Nice. Pink lemonade, sourdough, XXX candy. Super lemon G. That sounds pretty damn good as well. Face off. So at some point today, there will be a free-for-all portion of the 420 show where you guys can all pop in, past guests or not. I think that will be fun. It always is fun as far as guests throughout the day. Excuse me as I crack open this, right? Um, I've invited a whole bunch of people throughout the day. Who shows up? Who knows? Uh, but there is probably about 60 plus invites out there. So hopefully it'll be a fun day of random mixed guests throughout the day. Uh, but nonetheless, should be a fun 420 nonetheless. Seeing some fire strains, some vaping, some slur cane. Hillbilly grower says, Hillbilly grower wants to pass out some love. According to his DM earlier in the day, got to appreciate that as well. Grow shopping AK. Right up. Skunk times land race, Afghan times what? Sounds pretty good. Cheers, Leafly Wiggly. Nice to see you in chat. DJ Go 7979, otherwise known as Jet Force Winning Garden. Cheers to you, my friend. Welcome, welcome to the 420 show. Barbara Matthews, cheers to you. Looking forward to hanging out with you guys today. Drew Zilla, turning some tasty buds. Hopefully, Johnny, you are enjoying this this episode, the beginning of the 420 episodes. Hopefully, it'll help keep your spirits high today, give you a little of that healing fuel that uh, you should hopefully have running behind you. How are you feeling today, Johnny? I can't believe you. I can't believe you popped in yesterday. That's a trooper right there. Come popping in, fresh out of surgery. It's the weed nerd world. It's a it's a diehard weed nerd right there. Much respect to you, Johnny. That's a tons of respect. Stony Creek, how you doing? Three four seed cold pink lemonade. That sounds pretty good. I'm gonna roll one up while I am waiting, my friend. John is definitely a, a badass, that's for sure. Let's love to you, Johnny. Hopefully they are treating you well. 
tell them don't make us send the Wiener Nation up in there. <laughs> he needed So, what are your guys' 420 plans? Are you guys going to hang out today? You got somewhere to go? What are you doing for your 420? Be honest. Yeah? Cheers. They're giving you some props on your Panama red shirts there. <laughs> oh, thanks. Yeah, this is uh, Panama Reds Garden Supplies. Uh, it's it's my full time job. I've been working at this uh, hydro shop for about five years. Right on. A few of them say that's their favorite favorite grow store. Uh, just being in Arkansas says that's their favorite down that way. So, cheers oh, to Panama Reds. Their favorite grocery store in Arkansas. There's yeah, a, another that's what one. They say, yeah, cool. It not you know not affiliated, but good name. Uh, my oh. boss at the guy who wrote the song, Panama Red, and he got permission to use the name. Uh, but he threw the S on just in case, keep him out of court. You know, for copyright or whatever. <laughs> I don't think it could really do that, but you know, uh, you know the one, right? Panama Red, Panama Red. I forget the rest of the words. <laughs> New riders with it. I think. What's that? I think it was New Riders oh. of the Purple Age who wrote that song. Maybe if I remember. Uh. You're on your own on that answer. Before my time. <laughs> and yours probably too. So are you a little bit musically inclined? I seen down the page. I think it was your brother that made the guitars, man. That's pretty fucking awesome. Yeah, my brother is a luthier. Um, TRN guitars. Um, he actually went to school to learn that craft. And I mean, he's He's super talented at it, man. You know, uh, um, he doesn't really try to do it for a living anymore, but he does it for, you know, a hobby. And, uh, yeah, he, he makes some really nice guitars, man. And he plays, he plays, I mean, guitar as well. Yeah. And, you know, I, I, I play guitar a bit. I haven't really in, in a few couple of years much. But, you know, when I lived in Hawaii, I played played guitar every day. It was kind of, I was, uh, I used to refer to myself as a shade dweller. Um, I could not do that shit where people would be like playing volleyball on the beach in like 85, 90 degree weather. I would sit by the stream in the shade and wait till it cooled off before I moved around too much. And those, I spent most of my days in the heat of the day, uh, just chilling, playing guitar, drinking tea or coffee and smoking herb. And, uh, I would always water my plants early in the morning or 
in the evening. Carrying water up and down hills in the hot sun is not not my bag. <clears throat> so would you say that uh, working in the, the hydroponic store or grow store has given you that extra edge as a grower, getting to know and be there with the products, reading the labels and getting to know what's what? Uh, how would yeah. you say that's affected your growth? I'm sure it's had to be a pretty damn good influence. Quite a bit, I would say. You know, um, uh, it 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 definitely has uh, given me the opportunity to learn. You know, yeah. Um, you know, I like I said, I keep it pretty simple. Uh, most of the shit that we sell in there, I I don't really use. But, um, you know, I don't know, you know, it's, it's kind of funny. I've gotten really good at like kind of helping people figure stuff out, even though I've never done it. Uh, this is one of my favorite things, right? Uh, and I've been getting this one a lot in the last few months is like, uh, especially it seems like since the whole COVID thing, everybody has taken up a little hobby garden. And one of my favorite questions that I get asked on a fairly regular basis is somebody will come in and they'll be like, I want to do hydroponics. Can you help me? And, and kind of my go-to answer now is like, well, you know, that's kind of like saying, I want to play music, you know, let's narrow it down a little bit. <laughs> there's, there's a lot of different instruments you can play and there's a lot of different types of hydroponics right um and yeah uh i i enjoy i enjoy helping people figure stuff out and uh you know i try to not be the stereotypical hydro store dude that thinks he knows everything uh i'm not afraid to like google around or you know try to try to figure stuff out or help somebody figure it out I, I don't really know everything uh and there's so many options i mean you know uh i always tell people to you know check out the different methods look up some different systems and you know try to get an idea of what you think might suit you in your space and what with what you want to do you know, some people end up wanting to do deep water culture. Some people end up wanting to just get, have a water only soil, uh, you know, and some people like to get like really uh, nerdy and complicated about it, you know, um, and do like some, I don't, you know, really um, kind of in-depth complicated system. And, and a lot of times those people really excel at it. And sometimes they just like totally overthink themselves into just total mids. But um, yeah, I get to work with a whole range of, of different people, commercial growers. Uh, you know, we supply most of the local commercial growers here. We have a, a pretty thriving rec market, recreational. Um, you know, it's, 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 it's not like it is down in the States, you know, 
I mean, the, the biggest grower here is probably one of the medium smaller growers in say Oregon or California, but, um, you know, that's a pretty big portion of our business. And, and, you know, we're not just a, a weed growing store. We're uh, just a garden supply store in general. And, you know, we have farmers, local farmers that get their stuff through us, uh, you know, home growers, home gardeners, uh, ornamental plants, veggies, cannabis, hemp farmers, you name it. <clears throat> that would be my next question. With that kind of uh, clientele and the diversity of growing, have you picked up any kind of methods from, from that that you have been able to take to cannabis? cultivation of other plants, uh, pH swings, you know, stuff like that. Uh. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it, it, you know, I mean, a lot of the stuff that applies to cannabis applies just the same to anything else, you know, um, you know, different plants have their different nutritional needs and environmental needs. And, and, uh, you know, some plants are really difficult to grow. Some weed plants are real difficult to grow. Uh, you know, um, yeah, I, I don't see why not. I mean, farming is farming. I think that, uh, you know, a, a lot of us in the weed world kind of think of what we do as like something really special and it is, but it's also just agriculture, you know? No matter how how good or professional you are at it, it's still still agriculture. You know, plants. I don't really, you know, I grow organically. I uh, pretty exclusively grow organically for the most part. I've I've dabbled in, you know, growing in cocoa with nutrients and grodan and 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 different stuff like that here and there. But um, you know, the plant needs what it needs, and I, you know. I say that I, I grow pretty exclusively organically and that's true. And I think it's the best way for me, but I also don't really think that it's necessarily the best way for everybody. Um, you know, I used to be a lot more of a kind of uh, organic absolutist, I guess, and, and really think that that was the only way, but um, I, I don't really think that way anymore. Um, you know, I, I know some people that grow, you know, like deep water culture and, and nutrient film technique and stuff like that, that just grow some absolutely phenomenal stuff that, you know, tastes really good and smokes clean and is just killer that, you know, uh, you know, it, it's not like you have to grow organically to grow good herb. The plant needs the nutrients that it needs. If you overdo things, it'll affect the plant. I mean, I don't, I don't know how those guys pull it off to make it come out like that, but I know that some people can do it. And it's definitely, uh, I, I mean, I used to think that like, you know, only organic growers really get the best smoke, man. And like, you know, you gotta make good compost teas, you know, and you gotta, 
you got to give it the good organic nutrients to, to really get the best flavor, this and that. Um, and yeah, I, I don't really believe that anymore. I've, I've seen otherwise. Um, I think it's probably a bit, a lot easier to get, you know, clean, smooth, tasty smoke organically with like a good water only soil, maybe, or whatever. I think it's, that's probably a lot easier than, you know, the people doing, uh, let's just say nutrient film technique that are, you know, pulling off just like really tasty herb. Um, I only can really think of like two people that I know of that are, are doing that tech and they just slay it. I don't even know, you know, I know that they don't, they don't run crazy high parts per million and, and, and whatnot. They just, you know, it's all about just giving the plant like just the sweet spot of what it needs. And I know that they kind of, you know, they will like learn what an individual plant kind of needs. Some need a little more, some need a little less. And uh, yeah, I, I would like to fool around with more stuff like that. You know, we're growing some uh, pepper plants at work right now with uh, Grodan blocks. And uh, it, it's kind of my first time of really doing that and and uh you know working at a hydro shop everything is uh, at our disposal and that's really really cool so we're we're doing a little experimenting with different stuff and uh you know having fun with it and they're they're doing really just killer i can see where you know you can really um you, you can really push plants in in that kind of a method honestly thought when you referred to as you getting lazy in your like grow i chuckled a little bit and i figured that's when uh you were just referring to getting deeper into the organics to be honest with you because i honestly i appreciate the soil but i do believe it's kind of a, a little bit more step back approach you know what i mean you don't have to worry fuss as much when things are so I, actually, I thought that was the road you were going down when you said, you know, you were getting a little bit lazier in your girl. Yeah. I, I, I almost 100% figured that's what it, it, That kind of what I meant. I mean, because like I used to get uh, for a while there, like really fancy about it, man. Like I said, I was doing um, the Korean natural farming inputs. I was, you know messing with different organic nutrients and different regimens and making my own soil mixes from scratch and experimenting with all different recipes and uh you know i was just like trying a lot of different stuff and you know even organics can kind of be as complicated as you want to make it if you should you choose to do that I mean, I was doing, like, the whole gambit of Korean natural farming, man. Like, there's, like, a lot of different inputs you can make. I was making the IMOs. I was making the fish amino acids, the lactobacillus. I was doing the bakashis. I was doing, um, uh, what do you call it? You use, like, the alcohol and the garlic and the ginger 
I forget what that one's called right off. I don't know why it's skipping my brain. But, you know, there's a lot of different inputs you can make uh, with the Korean natural farming. And that was about the most complicated I really got with it, to be honest. Uh, you know, and over time, I've just gotten simpler and simpler to where now I pretty much just like try to just have a really healthy soil to start with. And then I'll do a little bit of top dressing. I find that like if I just really focus on really nailing the transition into flower, I, I usually do really well, you know, so transition, I like to either do a compost tea or use like the recharge microbial super pack a time or two. I'll lay down a top dress, uh, something I've been using lately, uh, that dude, not so dog, um, was kind of raving about it a while back so i figured i'll try it is the uh oh, what the hell is it uh canna canna bio flores the canna bio bloom which is their like organic i think it's i think i want to say it's like fermented beets and plants and stuff like that uh big fan of that stuff i've uh shout out to not so dog he, he definitely uh Gave me a good pointer on that one. Um, but yeah, I, I just, you know, I don't get too too complex with it. Um, and, I, and honestly, I think maybe a, a much bigger factor than what you're doing as far as food. You know, of course, you need to make sure that your plants are getting the food they need. But environment is kind of everything. You know, if your temperature and humidity and your lighting is really dialed in, that goes a long way in my opinion. I agree too. I completely agree too. You know, Ken, to speak to the whack-a-mole uh, Bino expression that you were talking earlier, uh, I had uh, something that came out of the blue here that I didn't even realize that was happening that affected my environment. Now I kind of talk about to some people, and to some extent, I almost think it's some think it's laughable, but I honestly think it it's one of those things that we're not even thinking about. It's more or less not even on our radar as indoor growers, especially like myself. Well, I was speaking with uh, Mr. Toad during his episode, oh, yeah. and I have been wanting to uh to bring back the pine back because i like i said i'm a big fan of the pine especially the pine lime i do i do enjoy that and i've ran pine here in the garden quite a few times but uh so i've been trying i tried to bring it back here the last year or so and uh everything that i brought into the garden was not expressing pine at all maybe at best in the slightest it was coming out more and again now it now it's a running joke so if you're ever in a chat or whatever and you kind of see the dragon fruit being discussed more likely there's someone from this community and they're talking about the pine terms and that's what comes out here that's what i'm getting instead of a pine i'm getting more of a a dragon fruit type terpene base on all not just one 
not just one. I could see it being a fluke thing if it was one cultivar that came through and it was like, okay, yeah, that one's just got pine. That's just, you know, dragon fruit. That's just its profile. But I've had plenty of people send stuff out that's, oh, yeah, this is pine. This is pine. I've had X, Xmas here. Tiger King showed somewhat of a nice slight pine profile i had the j2 i've had all kinds of pine cultivars come through here none of them really hitting that pine 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 so this is where we toad comes in while i'm talking to him and he helped me out figure out what was going on thank you mr toad well so the same time that i decided to bring uh pine back into the gardens here I pulled up, there used to be fatigue men all over this floor. Oh, so, fatigue men, you know, like the workout man. Yeah. Okay. Okay. All over this floor. And prior to when the fatigue mat was down, I never had, that's when I was able to get that pine lemon terpene out of anything I grew, you know, that had that. So I try to bring them back, fast forward a couple of years. I pull up the floor and I try to bring the pines back, right? And I'm not able to get them. None of the cultivars are expressed. And I, at this point, that's where it's kind of getting laughable here. You know, everybody's <laughs> like, and again, I live in the middle of a forest, a, pine, a Huron National Forest, and I'm surrounded by pines. And people are like, oh, you're just... You're pine death. You know what I mean? You still, it's so abundant around you. You're just not being able to develop. Sure. Yeah, I'm not buying that. I'm not buying that. So what Toad helped me figure out was the mat thing. I pulled the mat up and uh, right behind me there. I don't know if you can see it. If I get out of the way. Right over there on the floor. You see it there? The, the It's covered up. It's a 12-inch floor drain right there okay. into the structure that I'm at. Okay? Right. So when I pulled up the floor mats, I exposed that drain again, which had never been exposed the whole time I had been growing it. So what I noticed was it's off. That's why it's covered now. It was off-gassing. There's something coming out of there that was fighting my plants terpene profiles, kind of really? working like in a almost kind of companion plant almost way, where oh. it was kind of making it suppress something other than the pine terps, which was more lenient toward the dragon fruit. Interesting. And so after covering it back up and having a couple more runs, yeah, I'm already noticing the flavor profile uh, kind of coming back. So that's most definitely what I'm guessing was the problem. That's, so that's you can't problem. talk about things we never see coming or flu profiles, you know what I mean? Little things like that, we don't know. You know what I mean? I forget who said it. Uh, uh, they said, you know, I think it was, uh, I want to say, Maybe Kevin Chaudhry, I think, said this. I used to listen. I've listened to 
used to listen to a lot of stuff from Kevin Jodry on YouTube. You know, that guy has a bunch of information. And he said, there's nothing you do that doesn't have an effect on the plant. You know, like every little thing you do has an effect. Even the most minuscule thing that you could, you would never even think of, you know. I agree. I totally agree. And that's why I kind of get, I try to give a little bit more credibility to the bro science type uh, growing or yeah. knowledge, to be honest with you. This is my, my way of approaching that because there's a lot, of, a lot of discrediting, I think, of bro science. I like to call, I, in fact, I'd like to try to even get rid of it and try to use more of a citizen science. Uh, approach or turn towards it, you know. Yeah. But um, I think some of it is practices that we discover here in the gardens that work well for us that we don't necessarily note because we may have think, ah, what the hell? Somebody's it's it worked so well. Somebody else has had to already figured this out. Why note it? You know what I mean. Just kind of run with the practice, keep repeating, repeating, repeating. So I think yeah. it's in that process, that mindset that where notes might get lost or not even taken, that bro science or citizen science loses its credit. Yeah. Sure. Sure. So um, what kind of, uh, it looks like you got some high pressure sodium back there going in a, like a, what, a four by eight, it looks like. Do you... Uh, pretty much exclusively grow with that type of lighting do you mess around with different stuff what uh what's oh, no, your there's... what's your stuff i'm in the middle of i'm in the middle of a tear down right here usually yeah. there would be twice its intense setups there's a actually a 4k hip uh hps uh, setup right here and the other tents are all leds um you know so mixed spectrum with different lights you know but hip and hps excuse me wow uh, i love man the things are old as hell why why replace them and they're still producing so until they die right man man i thought i was close at one point this year but no no they fired right back up after a storm i thought i lost a couple of them uh, I fired right back up. It's just the oh, fuse. Power uh, surge kind of situation or something. Yep, yep. Yep. We always joke at the shop because it's like uh, Alaska, We or I don't know about Alaska in general, but our locality here, uh, we've got like just kind of pretty shitty power grids, some of it. I mean, a lot of it's really old and not the best. And, uh, you know, in the middle of winter, especially when we have big snowstorms and whatnot, we'll have a bunch of power outages and we get a lot of power surges and man, we will sell so many fucking bulbs in like the following week after a power outage. We'll have just like, we'll have like 40 people coming in and get new bulbs or new ballast and shit. You know, it's like, we're kind of like, yeah, shout out to our shitty ass power grid here making us serious cash 
<laughs> every time we have a power outage. Yeah, that's a pretty much a problem up here. That's when I moved up here, it was quite frequent. I got used to I bought four generators to kind of just keep the grow going. But that right. doesn't work with these lights, man. The HPS don't get fired up by generator, yeah. man. They too much I, wear and tear on I, the equipment and the generator. Yeah. The LEDs are no problem. Have you ever seen one uh, taken out from a surged LED? I haven't yet, but um, no, no, I haven't. I, I actually, I haven't had. I've never seen any light taken out from that myself. Um, I've I've had pretty good luck with all that, to be honest with you. I haven't had any issues, but um, you know, I I haven't really lived in any of the old old power grid spots like i'm sort of talking about you know some of the digital ballasts um won't even work in certain people's houses here uh because you know they've got a lot of protections built into the ballast so if your if your power in your house is a little weird or fluctuates and whatnot they'll just turn off um you know like the the, the hydro farm phantom ballasts in particular, they seem to have a lot of those kind of fail safes built in and certain, certain people just can't use the phantoms here. Um, I, I like the phantoms a lot. I've had really good, you know, long lasting ballasts from them, but yeah, you know, uh, oops, sorry about that. Um, uh, uh, what is the other one? Not Hydro Farm. Uh, Hawthorne Sunlight Supply. They a while back they started actually making the old square wave coil ballasts again, and uh, quite a few people here like those because they can they can take anything, man. You know, they weigh like 40, 50 pounds or whatever, and they hum. Vibrate your fucking house, but they can, they'll stand up to anything. They'll handle a power surge, no problem. Those have kind of gotten popular with some people again, believe it or not. There was something about the spectrum. They were able to pull the wattage down to like a 750 or something like that and get a better output. Something that what it happened with those. Yeah, I okay. I don't know about the 750, but I'm not I'm not a real electronics expert. I usually turn to more knowledgeable people for a lot of that. But I understand it's a square wave, which is different than the digital ballast and uh, it can handle a little bit more of that power fluctuation. For me, another thing, too, I, I haven't completely made the switch yet is, man, I've gotten used to heating. Heat is an issue here in northern Michigan, man. I switched over to LED, and now I'm having to heat the room as well as, you know, and it's not so cheap. But now I'm bringing in a heating source as well. We've, we've got the same thing going on here, man, and um, 
you know, last summer I ran only LED, which was really nice. And I didn't really have to do any ventilation for cooling. I just ran ventilation for, you know, air exchange and airflow. But in the wintertime, I actually would uh, throw up some of my, you know, HIDs instead of paying for heat because, you know, I'd, I'd rather pay for a light to be running than have a heater that I'm paying for, you know, and I don't really get anything from the heater except heat. Same, same deal here, you know, it gets cold. <clears throat> and yeah, the I've other... always tried to use use the heat myself. I'm sorry, I didn't mean to cut you off. It just looked away. Oh, I was just gonna say the the LEDs. You know, a lot of them they don't have the uh, infrared light, so you you know they say you're supposed to run a little bit higher temperatures with LED, so you actually heat the leaf surface of the plant, which because you're not getting the the heat coming off of the light warming up the the plant. Um, so yeah, it's like, you know, HPS, you run more like maybe 75 degrees where they say, I, th I think some of the LEDs now are actually incorporating like infrared diodes, I want to say, and, uh, you know, kind of combating that, but you want to run a little bit warmer with LEDs for healthier plants, but they don't generate that heat. I've been I've been kind of switching over to LED in the last uh, year and a half, and um, I was a big skeptic. Uh, I wasn't in a rush to really even try it, and uh, you know, I was pretty reluctant to go down that road. And uh, you know, I have been a bit lately. They've definitely uh, come a long way with the technology. It's you know, I'm, I'm really happy with them now. And the, and the cost of entry has gone down enough where it used to just be astronomical to even buy them. You know, why would you spend $2,000 to light a five by five area when you can do it for like three or 400 bucks? But, uh, you know, you can, you can do that for a lot cheaper now. Yeah, well, it, well, I find another plus to the LED getting into the LED thing is just power, power being able to as a yeah. home grower be able to do more with the little bit of power that we're provided. You know, yeah. these larger girls can upgrade their power draw there, but most of us are limited to like on average a hundred to two hundred amp panel. And yeah. LEDs provide a lot more space, that's for sure. Yeah. I kind of figured it out with if I were to be able to if pull this down, and I'm I'm one of them guys that like if I have a budget and I save something necessarily, I tend to put it right back, you know what I mean, or upscale in some kind of way. So what I figured out, if I were able to take, if I were to take these down and still, because I'm used to paying for that power draw, you know what I mean? Yeah. I'm like, ah, I'm already used to that budget. So if I went LED, 
I could blow up that area the same amount of power draw. I could have almost three times a tent. So I could have, you know, six tents, four by eight tents going for the same draw, the two four by eights with the 4K running through it. You know what yep. I mean? And at that point, it's like, hmm. And then also, <laughs> you, know, um, you don't have to replace the bulbs. And as we both know, man, that that's a lot of money over the years. And... You know, most people replace their bulbs. I mean, it depends what what you're using, I guess, single-ended or double-ended, but or ceramic metal halide. Those last a lot longer too. But um, you know, bulbs are fucking expensive, man. Hundred bucks plus a lot of times for the best ones, you know. And um, if you've got a bunch of lights and I mean, I, I know some people that still run single-ended bulbs and they replace all their bulbs every like four months, five months at, you know, like 80 to 110 bucks a piece or whatever it is. That really adds up. And when you, when you factor that in the electrical costs, the LEDs, I mean, I, for me, I had to see, a, you know, good quality come out of them as well i wasn't gonna go for all that cost savings if it wasn't if i wasn't impressed but it's gotten there it's it's come a long way i remember those goofy little fucking little round you know blurple purple led things that were god damn man i want to say they were like six or seven hundred bucks i've got and a few right up here <laughs> <laughs> uh, i'm afraid garbage to uh, it <laughs> i've been one of those ones man like i said man i i've always been a little on the want to be the techie side you know trying the next big thing and i i was i've always been bright-eyed bushy tail with the leds looking back with all the money i've dumped into them over the years in the yeah. early phases, yeah, it's a little disheartening. These days, I I, I agree they're they're a lot better. I'll, I'll be making the switch hundred percent at some point. My, my 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 lady's over here just chuckling at me right now. <laughs> you are too. Don't lie. Well, um, shoot, I can't, uh, I can't see how many people are in here. How many viewers we got going on? We have one moment and I will tell you 90 people right now watching. In well, chat. Let's do a giveaway then, man. Um, I'll give a little backstory. Um, I was talking about the Nugs Bunny. I was also talking about the Hawaiian heirloom. Uh, and we've also been talking a lot about testing and how important it is and everything. Um, and so this is like one of the, you know, more legit, like things that I've really, like, we really, we tested the fuck out of it, man. Uh, we did this, you know, when I started, we first grew the Nugs Bunny, uh, an old friend of mine, Cliff, and he's like a, he's an old timer. He's got some legit, like, you know, medical 
things going on with COPD and different heart issues and whatnot. And, uh, you know, he, he, he really gets a lot of, uh, I would say, you know, happiness and quality of life from the plant. Um, and he, he's one of the people that I really, you know, I really, really liked helping the dude out. Um, and I've, I've watched him like really, you know, learn how to be way better of a grower in the last several years. And, uh, I, I love going to help the dude out. I mean, cause, uh, you know, we don't really know how long he'll be around anymore. He, he could just croak any day, man. He's got some like serious health problems, uh, but really, really nice dude really friendly he's got a pretty nice little personal grow set up and uh he was the first person to actually grow out the nugs bunny and we we were just i I mean me especially but him too we were just like blown away man we 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 popped a whole bunch of different seeds and like the nugs bunny definitely outshined everything i mean every single plant was fucking sweet i mean and to this day, I have not found a bad plant in the Nugs Bunny, and I actually have the Nugs Bunny Challenge. Um, I've only got uh, at this point like I think eight packs of Nugs Bunny left, and somebody's going to get one tonight. Um, and I'm working on the the V2. I'm selecting a new male because I di- I didn't keep that male. But uh, you know, if you can find me a plant that is garbage in Nugs Bunny. I'll, I'll just hook you up with like 10 packs of whatever you want, but you won't be able to do it. It's really that good of a line. And, uh, you know, I don't say that lightheartedly. I mean, I mean it, I've grown a shitload of it. I've seen a ton of people grow it out from, uh, a first time grower to like a, a really pro grower. And so far, not a single bad plant, you know, no nasty hermaphrodites, um, you know, not even anything mediocre. And so anyway, he was the first person to grow out the Nugs Bunny. And we kept uh, several clones and we did a, a couple different pops. We, uh, after the first grow, we were like, okay, this is really good. We're definitely going to grow more of this. And, um, you know, we, we kept several clones and one of them was from the second seed pop to number four. And, uh, I crossed that plant and then, and then every other Nugs Bunny clone that we had with, uh, my Hawaiian male, which I still actually have. Uh, in fact, I have one over here. I'll even flash it for a second, but, uh, uh, I've kept that male alive for like three and a half years now, I, I want to say. Um, and I've crossed it to a lot of stuff. It's kind of the one male that I have alive right now that I'm trying to keep in perpetuity and hopefully don't lose. Um, anyway, I keep going with my story here. Uh, so the number four from the second seed pop was uh kind of kind of one of the more beastly plants it, it really produced they most for the most part they're really good yielders but this one was like even more so than average and uh you know we we crossed it we hit it with that hawaiian male and 
that was my buddy Cliff's selection, that number four. Um, and he cloned it. He, you know, grew it for quite a while. He gave me clones of it. And, uh, you know, so he hit it with that Hawaiian male. And then we grew a bunch of those out. He grew them. And I would come over like once a week and, you know, check things out, uh, give him any pointers I thought I had or whatever. And, you know, we were, we were at that point, like testing this cross, you know, and I, I, I don't remember exactly how many he flowered out, but it was like 12 females, I think, or maybe 14, something like that. Quite a few. And, uh, they were, I mean, it was, so what I was really hoping for with that cross was to, you know, shorten the flower time on the Hawaiian. And if I had like something I was really hoping for, it would be to keep the, the smell and the flavor of that Hawaiian plant with that like earthy, funky pineapple. And I mean, it, it fired on all cylinders, man. Like we got exactly that. And I was just blown away and just stoked. You know, I was like, uh, I mean, massive coal is, if you scroll down on my page somewhere, I'm sure you can find pictures of it not too far back. Um, you know, it was, uh, it, it made some big buds. I mean, big old colas, uh, really high calyx to leaf ratio. So like really easy to trim. Um, it shortened the flower time by about like four to five weeks from the Hawaiian because the Nugs bunny is fast. I mean, the Nugs bunny is eight to nine weeks, pretty standard. I mean, it, it's, it's not, you can occasionally find one that maybe needs to go 10, but, um, not longer than that, you know, pretty, pretty fast, definitely viable for, you know, indoor commercial type scenario. And, um, you know, those two combined really well. And, you know, I, I, I have that male alive and, and I didn't make a ton of those seeds. Um, all told, I think, you know, like somewhere in the neighborhood of like 120 seeds. And we, we did that test run and I was just like, dude, this is excellent. This turned out, uh, just the way I was hoping, uh, no intersex traits, really photogenic plants with nice resin production um you know kind of all the qualities that i was really hoping to find and you know it was like damn it passed flying colors you know and uh we we get done and uh i'm like cool so um you know cliff let me let me grab that clone uh, so I can make more of these. And he's like, what? I'm like, yeah, the, the Nugs Bunny number four. Let me grab that clone from you. And he's like, I don't, I don't have it. I'm like, what do you mean? He's like, I, I don't have it. You, you have it. I'm like, I don't have it. You're telling me you don't have it. He's like, no, I don't have it. And I'm just like, oh my God, you gotta be kidding me, man. You don't have it? No, I don't have it. Well, I don't have it either. And I'm just like, fuck. <laughs> we, we did all that work, man. And I, I thought he had it. He thought I had it. 
and uh, neither one of us had it anymore. And so it was just one of those things. It's like, well, it was really, really great, uh, but we don't have it anymore. And so I couldn't remake it. I still have the male, but I don't have the mother. I have other Nugs bunny plants. I have other crosses with the same male made from other Nugs bunnies that I'm sure are going to be really exceptional, uh, maybe even better. But um, we don't have any more of those. So I'm like, okay, you know, whatever. It happened. Uh, we learned a lot. Communication is important. And uh, that was a, a prime example of the importance of communication. And uh, so I can't make any more of those. And so I kind of went through what I had. And I had exactly 80 seeds left. And so what I'm going to give away tonight is a 20 pack of that cross. And I'm also going to give a pack of Nugs Bunny and a pack of the Hawaiian heirloom. So I kind of thought, okay, it was a failure in the sense that we did all that work and now I can't remake it. So I'm going to try to do something cool and fun with that since it was such a good success. And I had some t-shirts made. I had four t-shirts made numbered uh, one through four with the uh, pack numbered along with it. Uh, I named it Manana Daydream. Uh, Manana, I don't know if I'm even fucking pronouncing it right, but it's an island off of Oahu. Uh, you know, I don't know if anybody watching knows this, but rabbits, bunnies, cannot survive in Hawaii because they will eat the local vegetation and uh there's some you know the, the common vegetation they'll die they basically don't know what's poisonous and they they like you can release rabbits in hawaii and they you know for the most part will uh die poisoning themselves eating just the local vegetation but there was this one island which just had no trees on it and like grass and they released rabbits there and for you know years and years uh there was rabbits on this one island so that's the island uh manana and so that's why the nugs bunny crossed with the hawaiian i thought i was being kind of clever and uh named it that um so yeah, whoever wins this giveaway tonight is going to get a 20-pack of those seeds and then a 10-pack of each of the parents that made the cross. So hypothetically, you could do your own selections and remake the cross and you get a uh, you know kind of cheesy t-shirt to go with it. Um, and on top of that, uh, like I mentioned earlier, um speakeasy seed bank tomorrow is going to be dropping some alien genetics and my buddy who is also an alaskan uh blaze at panda uh, uh, uh cloud hidden seed co is his company he's kind of just 
getting off the ground now about the same time I am. Um, you know, his work is, is definitely different from mine. His stuff is uh, feminized. He's doing reversals. Uh, he's been working with a lot of CSI Humboldt's stuff. And, uh, you know, I believe he used a mail from, shoot, I, I can't remember the company right off, but he used uh, an underdog Urkel for the reversed female to make the pollen. And he made three different crosses. He made the uh, wolf eel. He made the, let me grab him. I don't want to get this wrong. Fucking muted. Always fucking muted. Cheers, chat, man. You guys are going to get hooked up, man. Can't believe it. It's pretty oh, awesome of you, brother. Nice little giveaway, by the way, man. It's my pleasure. I like doing stuff like this. It's a good occasion. You know, it's like Christmas Eve, so we'll bring out some presents. So, so, so I I'm think another give thing is really... I didn't mean to cut you off, but another thing I think is really cool about this that uh, I don't think you've anticipated, but... Uh, You've told the cool story of of it all. You know what I mean? Here, you're going to give away the seeds and you said they could do whatever they want with it. But here's the part that I don't think you've anticipated is that they could actually go back, flip out the story, you know what I mean? All the way to the wind for verification for future purposes. You know what All I right. mean? So sure. that had so that's another little cool aspect of it. They could add their little niche right. to the story as well to pass on. Art, right? This is going to be on YouTube for you know ever or whatever. All right. So here's a T-shirt. It is. Sorry, it's kind of dim in here. My <laughs> living room is weird. We don't have any lights in the living room. <laughs> so as it's like getting dark, I'm just, it's just getting dark. I'm fading out slowly. <clears throat> All right, so you're going to get the T-shirt. You're going to get the Nugs Bunny crossed with the Hawaiian heirloom. You're going to get a pack of Nugs Bunny, and you're going to get a pack of the Hawaiian heirloom. And you're also going to get your choice from Blaze It Panda. You've got your choice between Wolf Eel. And Wolf Eel is the animal tsunami from Tsunami Seeds crossed with the underdog Urkel, seven feminized seeds. You've got Murex Extraction. That's the Sunset Sherbet crossed with underdog Urkel, seven feminized seeds. Or... You got Born in the Purple, which is the T-1000 crossed with the Underdog Urkel. So you get four packs of seeds and a t-shirt. Uh, after the giveaway, after the show, email me at uh, 
finofisherman at gmail.com and we'll work out the shipping and all that. You don't have to pay for shipping. Just tell me where to send it. And, um, yeah. Um, you know, I, I've, I've been, I don't, anywhere in the U S you know, if you're in Canada, I'm sorry. I'm, I'm, I've been having trouble with that. I don't want to, I don't want to do Canada today. No Canada. I'm sorry. I love you guys. I got some good friends and people in Canada, but just within the U S for today. Um, so we'll just do a, a random number. I'm going to go get a piece of paper and do a random number generator and I'll write it down and fold it up. So, you know, I'm not cheating. And then, you know, everybody just guess one number. Don't guess twice, just one time. And if everybody guesses and nobody gets it, then we'll do a second round of guessing. Um, it sounds like there's less than 100 people in here, so we'll just call it... Under one right now. Don't guess yet. 101. 100, but no, don't yeah. guess yet. I'm going to do the random number generator first before anybody guesses. So just hold on a second. I'm going to get that going. Guys, wait till we say start. They're already throwing numbers up. I, <laughs> when you say people just start guessing, I've seen it a million times. But, you know, nobody that's guessing right now, your guess doesn't count. You got to wait. I'm doing the random number generator. Okay. Oh my God, this is the perfect number. This is the perfect number, man. This is a really good number. I'm not going to give any hints. It would just really give it away. It would be so easy to give this one away. Um, okay. Hold on. that down okay where'd my pen go i'm gonna i'm gonna stand up really quick and um turn the lamp on it's getting too yeah. dark for me to what's going on i can't believe the sun's still up over there holy shit Oh, yeah, we're, we're heading still... toward long, long days, man. Um, it's like, yeah. what is it? Ten... I'm kind of an insomniac already. I don't know how I'd handle that. What do you guys get? How long is the, the constant daylight there? Well, the longest day of the year is pretty much, I mean... It doesn't really get dark, you know. No, it, it just it kind of goes dusk. There we go. Thank you, honey. 
All right. I'm writing down the number that I pulled off the random number generator. Tear it off. I'm going to hold it up. I'm going to stick it in my hat right here. All right, y'all can guess. Throw your number out there. Oh, wait. All right, I'm going to put the comments. I'm not going to know how. To, how are we going to I'm do looking. It? I can see them. I'll but put start know, in chat. I don't know what the number is, though. Uh, let's see. Let me message you. You can give it to me in Zoom, yeah. Here. Oh, oh I'll, I'll hit you with the Zoom chat, and okay. you'll see it. Okay. Now you can just give me the, the, okay. the number through there. There we go. Okay. So, okay. Uh, basically, I don't know if you want to agree with this. Usually when we do these, we go a minute and a half. I'll give them plenty of time. Are we getting a cap from zero to? 100. 101. All right. That gives you almost, well, that gives you good, good odds of hitting it first off. So put start in chat right now. I'm hitting start on the clock. Good luck, you guys. So while we're waiting for them to uh, hit that lucky number, I want to give you some props there about uh, being that, being honest with uh, kind of losing the parents of that strength, to be honest with you. I, another respectable feature about you this evening. A lot of, I think a lot of people would have just bred with a, another Fino, another sister, moved on and never said anything, which to me would be a B2 at that point. Not to be, you know, to be honest with you. So I appreciate your honesty that, of saying uh, no. it died out there. You know what I mean? Uh, that never really occurred to me until you just said that. I don't know. I don't, I don't really understand what people have to gain from bullshitting. I guess. I mean, uh, it seems like maybe I have a lot more to gain by being honest about it. Yeah, I appreciate that because I feel a lot of people like that are too busy about, too worried about losing what they've built. You know what I mean? That business opportunity versus being the better person, being honest and forthright about it. And I think that in the, the long, what I'm saying there is I think that's a lot of what's watered the genetics down, to be honest with you. All right, yeah. that is the end it, there. It's definitely uh, kind of a plague on our, uh, I guess, breeding culture. There's a lot of bullshitting uh and lying stealing cheating um somebody hit that bitch right on they hit that right on did they yeah awesome pu i believe i want to make sure nobody hit it before him but uh that, he definitely hit that thing right on all right um so Another thing I want to give you some good credit about make sure he was in there after start too. 
qualifies as far as I'm concerned. PU is the guy you'd be looking from for the email there. That's okay. it. that is quite the hookup, by the way. So uh, I can't uh, thank you enough, man, for giving these um, guys the opportunity to okay. score some. In in the comment section there, or or you can you could hit me with it in the email too if you want. But with the uh, Cloud Hidden Seed Co. from Blaze It Panda, you've got your chance again to pick between the Murex Extraction, that's the Sunset Sherb Underdog Urkel, the Wolf Eel, that's the Animal Tsunami, Tsunami Seeds Cut, crossed with Underdog Urkel, or Born in the Purple, that's the T-1000, crossed with Underdog Urkel. And you got your choice. You can pick one out of those three. So, Pino Fisherman, I owe you a great apology because I denied you the chance of pulling that fucking number out of your hat there. Oh. <laughs> right. But for verification purposes, for verification. show them that number. 44. And I thought that was an auspicious number because uh, that's kind of like uh, Tony Leva Boneyard's kind of number right 44 that's his uh handle i think on youtube 44 big bone 44 uh, uh i know that he and he's one of the people who's been a huge supporter influence on me uh a really big you know he's shared a lot of knowledge with me he's been really kind and uh forthright with me um and, and somebody I've learned a lot from, man, I, I really appreciate that, dude. If you're, you know, somebody who is uh, trying to figure out who you should support, you should, you should definitely support that dude. Um, I've grown a lot of his genetics and had really great results. Um, you know, some of his angel crosses have been some of the best plants that I've come across. Uh, one of my all-time favorites is the Magi, which he, he, you know, I grew it with my friend Cliff that I was talking about earlier. And we found just phenomenal plants in, in, in that cross. That's the uh, Three Kings crossed with the angel. And uh, I mean, I raved about it to him for quite a while. And then he offered me up his last 50 seeds available and that's one of the projects that is on my horizon is to uh dig into those last 50 seeds and and preserve that line at some point and uh yeah yeah big thank you to tony it was cool to see that number pop up it really it made me think of tony man he's he's a good dude um i highly recommend him if you need some seeds and uh, you might even be able to hit him up for some cuts. Uh, all the elites that I work with have all come from him, uh, from the GMO to the ChemDog 91 and the D and the Chem4, uh, the Roberts Creek Congolese, um, the SFVOG, the AFGU, uh, Cherry Pie. Uh, God, I'm sure there's even a another one or two i can't think of right off but uh that dude i i can't thank him enough i hope you're in here if you're in here i love you man thank you for all the help and support um i can't thank him enough 
and also he is a a good dude. That's for sure. Sorry, I didn't mean to cut in on you. Nope. Cut, cut in anytime. We're just talking shit. I'm about to take a bong rip, and and you know I'm having a good time. Can keep talking story for a while. It's it's only like a little after ten here, so you know I'm enjoying myself and. You know, it sounds like you're in for a long haul, so you know, keep talking story for a yeah, little bit. I'm totally here. I've, I've been waiting. You've earned. You've definitely earned that bone hit. Please do. Please <laughs> do. If I start zoning out, you know, you'll know what's going on. That happens to me a lot oh. when I do things. Uh, like I'll, I'll, it's happened to me uh, probably four or five times going live, uh, bullshitting with with Tony, filial feel boneyard. And uh, I start smoking, and then pretty soon I'm just like, I got to get out of here. We'll, we'll talk to you later. <laughs> right, uh, right. Uh. But, uh, heck, yeah, what, what are you grabbing for? You want to let us in on what to be grabbing for? Well, I kind of have here, this is, this is just the, this is the uh, bottomless jar that never gets empty it's mostly afgu in here but uh there's all kinds of stuff in there we i'm not even sure what i'm gonna smoke yet uh i can usually tell what it is when i pick it out if it's something i've grown but then also i will chuck in if only good bud goes in the bottomless jar uh if it's mediocre and I, or I don't really like it, it doesn't go in there. Um, it's mostly Afgu in there. I know there's some GMO in there. Uh, there's some T1000 in there from Blaze at Panda. Uh, what else? Um, trying to think. There's some definitely some Nugs Bunny in there, a couple different phenotypes. Um, I've got some of the peanut butter in there. That's uh, spelled with two D's instead of two T's. Uh, that's that's like one of my main breeding cuts. Uh, I need to do a lot more work with it. That that mother plant has a ton of value for breeding to me. Uh, it's the mother of the Nugs Bunny. And, you know, I really regret not having a clone ready whenever I was doing any of the Hawaiian stuff, but I'm glad I still have my mail alive. That is probably the, every time I do a pollination, there's a main goal. And that's my main goal for the next pollination is to hit the Hawaiian heirloom to that peanut butter. Uh, I have no idea what is going to come out of that, but I'm pretty sure it's going to be really good. So I got some of that in there. I might smoke. And, you know, that plant is, uh, it's got a lot of that limey gassiness, but the smoke is what I would call like creamy. If you've ever like had some of that smoke that like just doesn't make you cough, like it almost is like it's like lubricating your lungs when you're smoking it and it's just really smooth. And that's why I gave it that name. Just like those smooth, like buttery smoke texture. Uh, what else? There's more in here. 
There's um, a little bit of lime fuel aid in there. Uh, I can't think of anything else right off. I'll probably end up smoking the Afku. That's kind of my daily driver. What I smoke the most in the last year is Afku. Uh, like I was saying earlier, it just it seems to be pretty suitable for all occasions for me personally. Um, it uh, It's good in the day. It's good in the night. It's good if I want to relax. It's good if I want to be creative, if I need to get to work. Um, uh, you know, I, I can't really think of another plant that is that versatile for my own physiology. Around here, I call that the Turkish blender, the house blend. Yeah. <laughs> that jar. <laughs> Sounds like an amazing mix nonetheless. Whatever you pull out of that jar, it does sound like uh, some good stuff. Yeah, yeah. Take that rip, Willie. You, you um, much deserve it. Um, I'm curious. Uh, what what kind of stuff do you got going on in your garden at the moment? Ooh, I am down to two strains right now in my garden because uh, I'm fixing to tear down the whole damn thing and move and reset up, which is disheartening. Uh, so. Right now, all I have in the garden are two testers from a couple breeders in the community. I have uh, some Maui Soda Pop, which is uh, his, Maui, his Maui Pop times a root beer, a, a, a root beer strain he has. And then I have uh, Smiley's Gardens or Smiley's Angels, as he will be called in the Sioux world. Uh, some of his genetics is uh, Sky Cuddler times uh, Ghost OG is what's presently in the garden. Uh, so, yeah, sadly, that's it. Well, I mean, if you're only going to have two things, right? And yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm kind of looking forward to the move, though. Resetting yeah. up, maybe possibly getting out of the tents. It's been a while. Long run in the tents. So maybe get back to a room. Yeah. You know. No, I know what you mean. Uh, the difference between being in a tent and a room is a big difference. But, you know, I've gotten used to the functionality of you know, we've kind of talked a little bit earlier about like lights and LEDs and being able to juggle the power, juggle the power a little bit. And tents have been able to provide me a larger grow opportunity, I guess, with the power draw that I have. So you, basically, earlier on when we were talking, you know, back in the big draw days, the HPS days here, when everything was HPS. You couldn't pull that kind of power as a home grower. You know what I mean? All at once. And yeah. live in, in the in the actives in that area as well. 
So what I've kind of come accustomed to and being limited to area is the flip-flop, the day and night uh, type grow to where when these shut off, the other ones come on. Team click, click, click. And right. another beautiful thing about that, which again, I'm feeling now switching over to half LEDs is this whole setup here at one point heated my house. Yep. All of this is being pumped into the house and it picks up just under the, the cold air return for the house. And basically all I do is run the motor for the heater and it just kind of takes all this hot air and throws it all over the house basically. And with the, with the coming of the LED, my, my heating expenses for the house went up. So it's a little <laughs> bit of a bummer. So and then you know, so yeah, things will definitely change in the next situation. It might not be, you know. Oops. But uh, I'd like to take take you back a little bit to what we were talking about right there at the giveaway, and that's kind of what I'll call breathing breeding ethics, if I can say it correctly without uh, stuttering there. Uh, breeding yeah. ethics. And that's, uh, you know, being a forthright for what you're putting, uh, putting out there. And uh, so another thing that you said there I thought was really notable that I don't, I don't see a lot of, and it, it falls right under the ethics of what you're putting out. Just because you've built a good strain name and you still have somewhat of the genetics are able to reproduce it. I don't necessarily think it should fly under the same banner. You know what I mean? Even as the opportunity you gave PU here, you know, offering mother and father, hopefully if he does recreate that strain, he yeah, puts it out as the same name, but recreated by my version of, you know what I mean? Give a little yeah. tat, you know, tip of the hat to the Fino hunter, the Fino fisherman. There we go. I'm sorry about that. Give a little tip to the hat there on the name of the pack, you know, and get a little line going there. You know what I mean? Of, you know, traceability, you know, and I don't see that. I think it, there's too many breeders out there that were willing to throw, recreate, okay. Just throw a couple packs down, recreate the strain, and never say that it's been recreated. Yeah. So what I'm getting at is again uh, some more props to you, and it's something I'm a big advocate for is keeping parents, especially the father. You know, it it's takes hard. a long time to find out what he's producing. Why would you throw him away? You know what I mean? He's a key piece of the puzzle. You know what I mean? So if you're gonna recreate. It's a dad's a huge part of that. It's a serious labor, and and I, uh, I'll be totally honest. Other than that Hawaiian male, I don't have any males alive right now, and so like pretty much everything that if you get anything from me, other than anything made with that one male, it's it's limited to whatever whatever there is now. Uh, and you know, I'm I might be able to make a, a version two, but it's not going to be the same. At a, you know, it might be pretty close, maybe, but uh, no, yeah, that's 
it, it takes a lot of diligence to keep males alive for a long time. Um, and I, you know, I had a big, I mean, I don't really know what happened. I'll probably never know, but I mean, I had a lot of pollen stored and like, I, uh, I, I had pollen stored from the poison skunk F3 that made the nugs bunny, including, I mean, like eight other males and I moved and I thought it was in my freezer and I cannot find that fucking pollen. I, I mean, I was devastated, man. Like she, you talk about like making a grown man want to cry. Uh, <laughs> I fucking shed a couple of tears, dude. Like, I don't know what happened to that pollen. And I am totally just, I mean, I don't understand why it's not in my freezer. I could have swore it was in my freezer, but like, you know, whenever I flower a male, I store as much pollen as I can, as I don't use. And, um, you know, I, I don't know. I keep hoping maybe I will dig through there one day and find it. Uh, but I haven't looked in a while. I cleaned the freezer out top to bottom and I could not find it. Uh, I think maybe I threw it away by accident somehow, or it got wrapped up in a freezer burnt package of salmon or something. I don't really know, man, but, um, you know, you can store pollen, but it doesn't always store very well long-term. Uh, but yeah, definitely, you know, big props to anybody who keeps a male, a breeding male alive long term. It takes a lot of diligence. You don't really get anything out of it other than, you know, being able to recreate seed lines. But, uh, you know, you keep a, a mother plant alive, you can take clones off of it and, and make your cash crop and, and make money back. But keeping a male alive a long time, I mean, it's a lot easier to... Uh, you know, flower out a male and get a ton of pollen and store it. I wouldn't say it's a lot easier. Like I said, like sometimes you pull out that old pollen and a little bit of moisture got in there or whatever, and it's not viable anymore. But uh, yeah, that was a, a big, you know, speed bump and a setback for me was I just, I don't know what happened to all that pollen. You know, I moved and uh i i went to pull it out one day and i couldn't find it and usually by the time i realize how good a male was it's long dead already because you know you flower it out you do your thing and make the seeds and it's i mean at a minimum it's probably like four to six months before you test any of those crosses out fully and then you know by that time you've had to keep this male alive all this time and you know it just in an ideal world i would have an infinite amount of space and you know an infinite amount of money to pay electrical electrical bills and just be able to keep th everything alive forever uh hell if i had infinite resources i'd have like a couple employees that you know, like their dedicated job was to just make sure all the moms and dads were healthy and taken care of. But, you know, life is not like that for almost anybody. 
and certainly not for me. So keeping keeping a, a just one male alive is kind of a feat in itself. And and yeah, I, I very much agree with you. Uh, I know for a fact that you know there's a lot of lines from you know some breeders that uh, you know the name stays the same, but the parents definitely change one or more if you know if not both and uh yeah that's just not my bag man i don't want to be uh uh i don't want to misrepresent what i'm doing i'm really hoping it with uh the way knowledge is being pushed these days and actually freely dis distributed um tissue culture will become more of a thing to be honest with you that same uh freezer or free refrigerator that you keep in your pollen in will be test tubes you know what i mean and mother and fathers and you'll be able yeah. to cleanly recreate oh, man and the hopefully day that will clean up the genes a little bit at some point as well the day that that becomes available to all of us you know affordably is going to be a good day i think that some of that shit to be honest with you we're feeling the can of pricing crunch you know what i mean i just feel like a lot of this tissue tissue culture uh technology in any other field agriculture you know what i mean uh, isn't as pricey as it, they're making it for the cannabis industry, to be honest. Yeah, I mean, you know, with the tissue culture, there's a there is a lot that goes into it. I understand that, but uh, I mean, I don't even really know what it costs. I haven't really looked into it. I just know it's like more than I'm willing to fork out. You know, I, I just don't have that kind of money sitting around to to spend on that. But it sure would be nice, you know, to just have a, you know, all of your different clones and everything backed up in a little tissue culture test tube that, you, you know, that would be great, you know, um, just be able to keep everything in stasis and, and doesn't take up a lot of space, you know, it's, it's reliable. It's also, a, a, I mean, you know, it's going to be clean and you know not hopefully you know yeah it, it would be great to have that be just something that i mean it'll probably never be like dirt cheap but uh i mean in the way that like you know cannabinoid and terpene testing is has kind of found its way into the you know the the public domain a bit um it would be awesome to see the tissue culture get that way i know that uh you know uh like it's one of the things that that uh, tony is uh you know trying to do and and figure out and and been sharing some knowledge with is like that you to some extent you can do it yourself but um i mean it's a it's a little bit more sciencey than your average grow room tech and you know keeping everything super sterile and clean is is just 
paramount. I mean, it's absolutely, uh, it's, it's gotta be, but you gotta be pretty on point to pull that off. And sounds like even, even when you are really doing a really good job, it's not a hundred percent reliable. I mean, you need to have like real laboratory medical sterility to, to have it be super reliable. And you've got to have a, a pretty good knowledge base to uh, pull it off. Yeah, I agree to some extent there, but I, as far as like the the price availability of it, um, it was uh, Rafter Grows. I don't know if you've ever heard of him. That uh, is in the Canada community. I know it. He's done a few episodes on uh, this channel about tissue culture and how to be able to set up and kind of do it at home. Uh, very informative. And I think it maybe at some point it may, you know, be a home scale thing. I'm hoping anyway. I feel yeah. that uh, the mushroom cultivators will help lead the way. Yeah. Uh, from what I understand, that's a pretty cleanly process too. Right. I think once you know you've adapted, maybe adapted that into your grow. A lot of people are, you know what I mean. That they'll just have that clean room, you know what I mean, available for tissue culture. Or whatever. Yeah, who knows? Well, futures yep. wide open, you know what I mean, and the knowledge is being crazy dump right now which we all got kind of appreciate you know i i kind of have to infer that it has to be pretty hard otherwise somebody would have come along and kind of tried to corner the market already you know there's a huge demand for it i mean pretty huge demand uh and i mean you know um, I, I don't know of anybody in my locality that, that is even available to hire. So I don't know. It, it must be at least, you know, it must be pretty hard or, or people would be making a business out of it. Well, I think that's the problem there, to be honest with you, in my mind, is the scalability of it, to, to be honest. Now, think about this. Now, if you're doing it on that scale. You've got to have a huge operation, and it's got to have backups on backups. I would think you know you've got to offer some type of insurance that you know storm, power outage, whatever. You know right. your genetics are going to be safe and backed up. So that's a huge cost right there. Space to be able to store it all for X amount of time is a factor. And then the cleansiness on that large scale that you can guarantee that your lab as they're being pushed. Because as you say, man, that's going to be a huge market. As you got my technician working on my genetics and this technician over there working on those genetics. That, right. Like you say, nothing's being crossed or tampered with. Yeah. You know what I mean? That's so that's a huge cost yeah. too, just the, for scalability, I think, is the biggest obstacle there and just being able to keep everything on point. But on a home scale, you might be able to do the whole thing, you know, not without the big worry of backups, cleansing, or, you know, all of the above. I don't know. 
Who right. knows? Yep. 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 I'm 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 hoping that uh, avenue opens up more in the future. Uh, for breeding, it would be a huge, huge leg up. And then there's, of course, there's like the uh, meristem tissue culture being kind of like a cure for the hoplatin viroid. That seems like it's, I mean, I, I've i been pretty isolated up here. Uh, knock on wood, man. I, I hope I don't ever come across that. But I hear that's a real bummer that a lot of people are dealing with these days. And tissue culture is, is kind of one way to, uh, you know, overcome that. And then just being able to keep a huge bank of clones without, you know, taking up all the space and, and all the labor and maintenance that goes along with that. And, you know, overhead costs of keeping a ton of mothers. I mean, imagine if you could just have a little mini fridge with like, a thousand different cuts would just be sweet, man. You know, uh, uh, you get sick of the SFV OG, then you can pull out the, you know, T one thousand cross with underdog Urkel selection that you found ten years ago and haven't smoked in a decade. You know, that'd be that'd be great. That'd be really great. And genetic libraries are. Uh, it takes a ton of work just to keep a genetic library, even a even a pretty small one. Uh, say, ten cuts is a pretty significant amount of labor that goes into keeping those ten cuts, you know, healthy and and alive. And then the space, um, yeah, um, it's a labor of love for sure, but. You know, you can only do so much. I've I've gotten rid of quite a few things in the last four or five years uh, that I really would have liked to hold on to, but you, you just can't hold on to everything, man. You have to let some of them go. You have to let a lot of them go, actually, especially if you pop a lot of seeds like I do. Um, you know, it's like, God, I really like that one, but this one is a little bit, I like it a little bit more. I can't keep them all, you know? Um, just it's just the way it goes. You you know, hell, even if you have all this space, you still have to do the work. You know, yeah, that'd be a a nice nice day right there. You know, I'm I'm usually have about twenty strains floating around in what I call the cup mom systems. I never keep a big healthy mom. Just take cuts on cuts on cuts. As I right before that cut goes into flower, taking basically the next moms from that. Yeah, keep it rolling. But like yeah. you said, even if you had an infinite library, I couldn't imagine having a couple hundred moms <laughs> and worrying about their health and taking cuts of those all the time. Oh, yeah, yeah. Mad big time respect to you know people that are doing that. Like, uh, I mean, a lot of them will go unnamed, but uh, you know, a lot of people like CSI Humboldt. Uh, I mean, I got no idea what kind of library that guy's got, but it's obviously a pretty big one. That's a fucking. It's a lot of work. 
So <clears throat> would you classify yourself? And this is funny because a lot of people, the answer is always different. A medical cannabis user or a recreational user has your relationship with the plant changed with cultivation? Yeah, I don't smoke nearly as much as I used to, honestly. Uh, um, it, it's all it's all med, it's all medicinal, right? <laughs> Even the recreation. Um, uh, I, I remember uh, hearing one time somebody being like, "Yeah, well, you know, like you suffer from the human condition, man." like just like we all do but you know you, you're still gonna have to pay me for this bag because like you know it's not like you have like uh you know grandma seizures or something like that. like there's there's different levels of medicinal use um and i don't have any major ailments uh uh that that cannabis helps me with but i i know people that do um and so I would say, you know, I mean, for me, uh, um, it, it definitely makes life more interesting. Uh, you know, um, I, I mainly enjoy smoking for, uh, you know, either kind of unwinding and just kind of introspective um, creativity. Uh, you know, just kind of enhancing my day. I, I wouldn't say that my, any of my cannabis use is like really legitimately medical, but, you know, I don't have any, uh, you know, I would say if, if I have any kind of a, a, a medical issue, maybe anxiety, but, um, you know, frankly, weed doesn't really help me with anxiety, uh, but it does help me to be more creative. Um, and, you know, Sometimes, you know, when you're just really like, uh, um, sometimes you can just get really distracted by everything that's going on in your life and maybe feel like, uh, you know, oh, this day sucks or something and, and, and then smoke. And then you can kind of see how just fucking silly it really is and how ridiculous you are. Uh, uh, I, I appreciate that aspect of smoking. But for the most part, yeah, I just I just kind of, you know, smoke recreationally, I suppose. Again, How about I you? can appreciate the honesty of that answer. I lean more to the medical side, I would say, a medical user for yeah. several reasons. Um, I have definitely beat my body up <laughs> through sports, uh, yeah. work. Uh, so I definitely can honestly say that I, I use it a lot for medical purposes. Even, you know, when I am swinging the hammer there, I'm not afraid to say that uh, the wake and bake is happening on the way. You know, I've never really felt either way as an athlete or as, you know, skilled trades that it's hindered my ability in any kind of way. You know, yeah. honestly, without that cannabis, without that wake and bake, me rolling out of that truck would be way harder. You know what right. I mean? To get 
in motion, get rolling. And then at that point, if I'm not happy, if I'm not comfortable, the quality of your job is at risk. You know what I mean? You know, yep. that's the way I kind of see it at that. And if I work for cannabis, I would have to be forced to use something pharmaceutical, which in my opinion would put me in a more dangerous spot and risk the quality of your job as I'd be in a, a pharmaceutical haze. Yeah. Uh, you know, would put the quality of the job at more risk. So I feel cannabis is honestly a, a better alternative all, all around. So I, I can definitely identify with what you're talking about there as far as, I mean, you're talking about swinging a hammer and, and that kind of stuff. And uh, I agree, man. I don't think that it really hinders my performance in, in that regard either. I wouldn't necessarily call myself a carpenter, but I've definitely, you know, I've hung a few doors. I've hung some sheetrock. I've, I've done that kind of stuff quite a bit. And uh, uh, that kind of work is definitely one of the times when I enjoy smoking the most. It's, it just it gives you the right mindset and the right edge. Well, maybe not every variety per se um, is absolutely suited to that, but if you have the choice and variety, there's definitely plenty of options for, for that. And, uh, I don't know too many carpenters that don't puff, man. I really don't. And I know quite a few carpenters. <laughs> so another thing you said earlier on that I, I, is a term that I use a lot describing cannabis and cannabis use uh and i'll i'll throw it right there is it's with your answer is it's all medical isn't it well yeah it is when you match it to the another thing you said earlier on is the quality of life that's the most important important part that i think cannabis offers is a good quality of life you know not just for the average person or the people that are trying to use it as a medicine to cure. You know what I mean? If it's even introduced, even in the final stages of life, you know what I mean? If cancer be the ailment and you haven't tried cannabis at the appropriate time, if it can give you a good quality of life from thereafter, that's what it's about. You know what right. I mean? So, and cannabis yeah. offers that in a lot you know, of ways. Having, right. um, I mean, uh, for instance, I mean, a, a really great obvious example is, uh, you know, cancer patients and chemotherapy. Um, I mean, I, I've I've known quite a people who, quite a few people who have used it in those instances. That I mean, it it literally i mean really makes the difference between having a terrible day that is is just full of total misery and you know a day that you know they're able to eat some food and have just like a a little bit of comfort you know it's it not to say it's it's you know like a um cure all but i mean it, i've seen it I, I know some people that it's just made a massive difference that, you know, are going through like really legitimate, um, you know, 
medical ailments and procedures and you know uh that's those those are the people who i think the plant's really for uh, more so than than myself um i i enjoy the plant a lot i especially like working with it i like consuming it from time to time um like i said i've been consuming less and and really in the last month or so i've been consuming less than ever uh but shit i mean i used to smoke easily an ounce a week if not maybe twice that or god even knows uh in my 20s hell i just it was like let's just fire it up until it's all gone and then we'll grow some more and we'll get some more you know just smoke all the time uh so i did plenty of that it's it's not like i don't i haven't smoked but uh lately i've been enjoying it more by using it less um but you know there's people out there that that get real relief and quality of life from it and and those are the people that the plant is really for in in my opinion i mean it's for all of us but but those people get uh you know a whole different level and and you know that's that's where you know the anger comes in and the uh you know just disgust at, at our culture and what we've done with the prohibition and everything is uh once you've actually seen somebody you know uh who's who's just really i mean you know when you see somebody who's uh you know their life is so fucked up from cancer or whatever that i mean just to even be near them and see what they're going through is painful and how much relief they can get from literally just a fucking plant. I mean, you know, I don't know how people can not be angry and, uh, you know, just furious that, that we've made this weird thing in our culture about, you know, this is not legal or this is not okay. I mean, even even now in you know i mean it's totally legal where i live and hell most of the places i've lived in my life i've been to colorado california i've been to a lot of the legal states you know but there's still a a big stigma from a lot of folks you know uh you know be it uh you know pe- people with their points of view and they still think it's wrong and, and uh you know uh maybe maybe that's okay for them to think it's wrong for me to do but it really pisses me off to say it's not okay for that person to do when they've been you know pushed into this corner physically uh and medically from some ailment and and to say that they can't do that is just yeah it's completely wrong man and just like anything else i mean uh it, it doesn't have to be cannabis but it's like man when people are are in living in that world it's man give them give them anything uh let them have what they want if it helps them feel better man um I'm, i don't advocate you know hard drugs and shit but it's like man people that are dying in serious pain man just like give them all the opiates they want or or whatever let them you know there's a lot of people that are uh, like actively dying 
and in pain. And we're all dying, but we're not all dying, right? Like, you know, uh, uh, you know, as soon as we're born, we're all dying. But then, like, there's people that are, like, fucking dying right now, and they know that they're going to be toast in, like, maybe a day, maybe a week, maybe a month, whatever. Um and those people, man, they, they deserve relief. And it's pretty damn disgusting that we think that they shouldn't be able to use a plant to do that. Uh, so, yeah, that, that's my position on medical use of cannabis. You know, uh, I think the recreational aspect is great. And that's what I'm using it for right now. But I think the real value, I mean, the, the biggest healing part of the plant is the people like that you know i mean people in chemotherapy that you know it's it's what it it may be the difference between whether they're able to eat or you know they can't even like sit next to a plate of food without dry heaving Uh, that's huge man those people deserve that I completely 100% agree. And I feel that as the, you know, legalization sweeps from coast to coast, we are 100% losing the medical aspect of it, to be honest with you. It scares me because that is the important side of it. I've lost so many people to pharmaceutical drugs, to opiates. And I have seen the power of the healing power in cannabis and other people with cancers, seizures, a lot of different ailments. And it's just a shame that it's getting pushed kind of into the background just for recreational use. And I really feel that once it gets its hold in, we're not even going to have a foot to that to stand on. Well, one of the biggest things I, I point out, or I'm quick to point out on that argument is um, when states go from medical and offer the recreational, especially here in Michigan, I've seen it firsthand. When recre- First of all, it was the, the folks that were afraid to get the medical card to begin with, the vets, people like that that had real need that cannabis could help, but they were afraid to pull that card because they were afraid to lose their benefits or get on some type of list that it was going to harm them uh, in that aspect in the long run. But finally, couldn't couldn't avoid it or seen how powerful cannabis was and then pulled that card, went and got their card and was a legal patient. And then decided they wanted to get off that list or whatever. A lot of people when recreational came through said, because you can have the same amount of cannabis, I don't need that card anymore. I can grow my 12 plants. I got, you know, I can have the same amount. Actually, you know what the really fucked up part about this is? If I were to just take my card, my medical card, cut that fucking thing up right now, throw it in the garbage, I could legally possess more cannabis as a recreational user than I can 
as a medical patient. Yeah, that's pretty lousy, man. Uh, and I and, I, and twelve I, plants here in Michigan. I can grow whatever whatever I produce. Say if I just knock it out of the park with my twelve plants, you know, I fucking produce twenty pounds. Let's say, let's put it in a magical number. Okay, fucking. I can have that 20 pounds. I can put that right in the fucking closet. Hell yeah, recreational. I puff all day. But as soon as I call that medicine, I'm allowed to have 2.5 usable ounces of cannabis. That's it. I didn't know that. That's uh, kind of bizarre, isn't it? That's really bizarre. Uh, Here... And then here in Michigan, on top of that, uh, the the recreational market is blaming the caregivers for the influx of cannabis. Why we have, like I said, every recreational household growing plants and dumping that into the market. You know what I mean? Yeah. But it's the caregiver. Real, you know, we have some similar things going on and, and a little bit different laws uh in regards to the medical versus uh recreational and just regular home grow and everything but uh uh in a lot of ways man it, it really is the the medical use that has lost out the biggest because i mean it, it's kind of like that here too in a different way that uh you know nobody medical use is is limited to two and a half ounces here like you said but uh um i mean here when it went recreational they kind of just said like okay well there's recreational now so like you know medical they they can just go to the store and get it or whatever and that pisses me off because you know the shit's expensive and i mean to be honest, nobody using it medically is really doing that if they were using it before because they're not going to pay that and they already know a guy or whatever, or maybe grow it themselves. You can grow your own here, uh, you know, at home, in your own home legally. And same same kind of deal. I think it's like, I don't think you're limited to, uh, you know, how much you produce as long as you're in, you know, the legal number of plants or whatever. But um yeah, you know, pe- people using it medical have kind of gotten less access in in recent years, it seems like. And cert- certainly less help whereas like when when it was only medical um, you know, maybe maybe not everyone because there was definitely an element of uh, you know, greedy money-making people in the old medical situations, but but there were a lot of people that were getting access to whatever they needed without any charge even most of the time or or if they were getting charged you know it was a reasonable amount and uh you know like we have just outrageous taxes on recreational cannabis here um and you know that affects the price greatly so like i understand why it's expensive in the stores but, uh, you know, I, f- I feel like if you're an actual medical patient, you should be able to walk into one of the stores here and, uh, you know, hopefully get it for cheaper and also pay no tax 
because yeah i don't know i could ramble all day about how i think it should be but at the end of the day it's probably not going to go that way uh we're kind of stuck in it now and you know we're not going back so we're gonna we're gonna have to do our best uh to navigate this future market but I'm not happy with it, and I'll bitch about it plenty, but it, it, it is here. It's not going anywhere. So, you know, it's good to just advocate, but, you know, in, especially locally, and, uh, you know, try try to be uh, steering things in the right direction. Unfortunately, I think it's all going to go to money, you know, sort of, but I hope not all. Really, I do. Uh and I think that's one place where actually like, uh, you know, the underground people and the so-called black market or, you know, legacy market growers may find in time like that we do. Cause I, I hear a lot about it, how it's like, you know, the, the legacy growers and the yada, yada, and the, you know, founding fathers, so to speak, are all getting pushed out. And it's like, well, maybe, uh, but, um, you know, maybe we also still have a place in the sense that we are quickly becoming the only people that really have this perspective. Um, whereas, you know, so much of it is just going to money and I mean, shit, now there's weed stocks and everything else. And it's just kind of becoming like any other business in a way, uh, so, you know, maybe we can survive by just like um, keeping that perspective and, and it's probably always going to be kind of a, you know, pretty small demographic and that's fine, man. That may, maybe that's better. But, uh, you know, I, I highly encourage people to uh, take that perspective a little bit and, and kind of think of it like... Um, you know, as we move into this next decade of now weed is just all about money and making a business and vertically integrating and, you know, building an empire and yada, yada, which, I mean, that's fine. Everybody has to make money and, and pay their bills. and We all have families to feed and houses that we have to pay for and live in. There's nothing wrong with, you know, commerce, but, um, you know, maybe uh, we can all keep this thing alive a little bit for what it's really, you know, good for. And that's like we were leading into with all this. Like the main thing is, you know, don't forget there's people out there that aren't just trying to get stoned. You know, there's people out there that, you know, their day is way better today just from using some medical cannabis and and you know we should as a group and culture we should like really define what that is we shouldn't let uh lawmakers and and bureaucrats and even fucking doctors let us decide what medical cannabis is like we should we should you know we should really be clear about what that means in the whole range of what that means because uh you know 
we're we're missing a lot of it and we always we kind of always have been and there's still like plenty of room to improve with that aspect um yeah <laughs> we sh- we should be the ones to do that man don't don't let the big money win man they they can make all the money they want but you know they're only really going to win if we just accept that that's all it really is and at the same token don't be afraid to make money i'm not you know i'm 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 trying to survive and i'm i'm not trying to say i don't want to make any money off of the plant i you know definitely in, have and i intend to but uh, uh don't forget like you know that fucking guy who you went to high school with you you know don't really see anymore that's fucking dying on a couch with like five hundred thousand dollars in medical debt just last week and you know uh fucking just feeling like he's you know there's people in that are not in good shape man and it it, it helps those people a lot more than it helps us man but that was a, a nice good rant i'm gonna step away for a second and i'll be right back right on no problem cheers to everybody how you guys doing in chat man i deeply uh appreciated this guy's answer as uh i was thinking about him telling his uh uh giving us his answer there i was thinking about the the past episodes and i was getting ready to ask him about uh what he was passionate about or could he direct his answer to something that needed his attention too but i think that answer was good enough to be honest with you so okay i love to see the passionate the passion in people for cannabis this gentleman most certainly has it what are you guys smoking on in chat i see bingus has joined us cheers mr bingus justin bean pu congratulations again on that win, True Serum, cheers to you. Appreciate you, Modern Genetics Chiba man. I'm sure he's appreciating that awesome guest if he can see it. Hopefully, he'll go back and check out some of these comments. Donkey Kong Kingdom, cheers to you. Hopefully, you're enjoying the show. Who else we got in chat? Southern BT, how you doing, my friend? Cheers to you as well. LP. Endo, cheers to you. Hopefully you'll be popping in at some point today as well. And that goes for all you past guests. Hopefully we will see you uh, throughout the day. And again, that question will be directed towards you at some point. What are you passionate about? Is there anything you'd like to take this 420 to open people's eyes up about or direct some attention towards? No, I will be asking. So cheers to you guys on that. 710 Counting Sewer, cheers to you. Blue Kiss Gardens, cheers. Can't believe we still got 87 people watching at 3.13 in the morning, Michigan time. Cheers to you awesome folks. Tropical Cocktail, Miley Jungle. That sounds pretty good there. We all flower. Cheers to Johnny Cannonseed for fucking being the trooper he is. Freshly out of surgery yesterday. Still hanging out in chat. 
smoking his crazy Uncle Josh. Hell yeah. Be careful on that, Johnny. Don't you be coughing, hurting yourself now. Yeah. Well, yeah, but I mean, you want to moisten the new soil a little bit too. Cheers, everybody. I'll be happier once you say giving away weed in Canada. You never know. You may have a Canadian guest on that might give some can some cannabis. You never know. And I do appreciate the Canadian system of being able to send cannabis in the mail. That is pretty freaking awesome. Have the trim the roots three inches. What's it say? There's my mini 15 stiletto. Cheers. Zippy Pinhedio. Oh, I ain't even going to try it. Cheers, Zippy. The name's too long. Cheers, Zippy. Happy 420, dog, you guys. Hopefully, you guys have stocked up for the day. Weed's been sent in the mail and in Katie for a long time. We do do it here too, but it would be nice to just have the legal comfort of being able to shove it in the mail. No worries. <laughs> Mrs. Beckett, maybe? Cheers. That's crazy. That's what I said. I think that's what I said. Oh, it's not ready for giveaway. I know I am harvesting some of my seeds, Chiba Man, and I know Smiley is close to harvesting his, but they're not ready for today's giveaway. But there will be seeds given away throughout the day, Chiba Man. So cheers to that. Hopefully, we'll not walk away empty-handed. Do like I just did. That's that one of three. Cheers to you. Uncle Rick giving away gift basket tomorrow. Cheers to Uncle Rick. Oh, I'd have one. Oh. All right, I'm back. Yeah. I'm still just amazed. We have a, a fellow weed nerd in chat that went for a neck surgery yesterday. Not only did he go for a neck surgery yesterday, but he managed to fucking log in to the weed nerd world last night from the hospital. Just a oh, few man. hours out of surgery. <laughs> Still in the hospital bed and everything. Just check it in. Tonight he's in chat. Token along. He says he's taking baby hits. But uh, yeah. definitely smoking along watching the show. Impressive. 
to say. So, yeah, uh, happy 420 Eve, everybody. I'm going to have a couple of little tokers here. Uh, let's see, what time is it? I've got 42 minutes until Three. midnight. I'll probably go until right about 318 Michigan time. You go till midnight? That's cool with me. I appreciate it, brother. That takes us real close to uh, the 420 mark. Even in the beginning, you kind of wondered how long you'd go. Did you think you'd go this long in the beginning? Uh, I, I didn't really have a plan, man. <laughs> I, I didn't give it much thought. It does. It goes by pretty quickly once it gets rolling. That's why. I asked. Oh, I, I've really enjoyed the conversation. Uh, you know, uh, thanks for having me on. It's nice talking with you. <clears throat> Thank you. And, you know, uh, while you were uh, stepping away there, I was kind of talking to Chad a little bit about uh, getting back to the original idea of the 420 thing here that I do. This all started out, I've been doing this now. I'm in year three. In year three. So when I started this off, we were in the middle of uh, what was a rabbit hole back then, uh, which is like, basically, I, we do this. This is how the channel works. Basically, you're offered uh, an opportunity to come on and talk with me. And then from there on, the Zoom link that I have sent you is always good. So Monday nights is a weed nerd world. Uh, Wednesday nights are uh, an earlier weed nerd world, the West Coast takeover. Monday nights is 2 a.m. my time, Eastern Standard Time. A West Coast takeover starts at 1130 uh, my time, so it's an easier shot for some of the earlier folks that can't wait till two. But uh, the Zoom link that I sent you is good. Anytime there's a Weed Nerd World in the title, you fuck come hang out, smoke, talk whatever oh. we're about, change the subject, talk about whatever. Interesting. So, uh, I, I dig that. That's a, a really interesting format. I, I'll be honest, I haven't really tuned in much, man. Uh, uh somebody told me about you um said i should hit you up and go on the show when i did a little auction thing with uh boneyard uh when i got covid and we were all just you know whatever just do an auction to kind of raise some money when i wasn't working and uh i think it was a uh, dirt road dude that you mentioned earlier maybe uh if not him somebody and they were like you know you should check out eagle and go on his show you know and that was like i don't know uh six eight weeks ago probably something like that you know when i first up, uh, we had another appointment to go on and i was just like not able to get it to work man uh, we have lousy ass internet up here uh a lot of the time and so in in what i had going on before i i couldn't make it i'm sorry about that uh but whatever we made it that's that's cool i like that um i was kind of i noticed that that you had like as i was scrolling through your youtube you know uh, you have some 
you know, episodes with like the name of somebody and then a lot of weed nerd world, but I hadn't watched any of the weed nerd world. I, I didn't, I didn't catch that. So that's cool. Thanks for letting me know that. I would have never. Yeah. It, figured. So the other opportunities of, like I told you pre-show that the time slot was from 1130 to 420. The other opportunities for weed nerd worlds are random. Say if we would have only went for uh hour or whatever there's been a few that's only went half hour a couple of 20 minutes and been out a couple of those but whatever it yeah. is i just kind of tuck and roll and i open, reopen up with the weed nerd world and then past okay. guests help me finish out the night there so there's a chance of a weed nerd world any night but monday and wednesdays you can pretty much count on if you want to come hang out hang out Ooh. I'm, I'm sure I'll pop in again, man. For they've had, they've evolved too. As you look back through the channel, through <laughs> the 621 that we're labeled at tonight is very deceiving, because buried in between much of those episodes are say a 621.5, which would be a wee nerd world. So they don't get their own number. They're buried in between. So there's really oh, like 1,200 wow. some episodes in the last three years. Um, so you're at it right yeah. And you said yeah, about. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, I, you cut off there. So, and then I've done a few 24 hour episodes. This is, uh, I've actually done a few Christmases. A few Thanksgivings, uh, Halloween episode. Uh, of course, this is will be the third 420 episode, and uh, basically 24 hours, man. I'll be rocking till this time tonight. Uh, okay. <laughs> before I shut it down. Uh, when this started, uh, go ahead. Uh. 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 I, I'd love to interview you one of these days for this podcast and, and do an episode if you would be into that. You know? I'm definitely, I'll be open to the, the, and, the fact, opportunity for sure. Let's just do it right now, man. Uh, you ever do any fishing? I do. I do do some fishing. I, I very much like to fish. In fact, uh, since I moved, it's kind of weird because I moved up here to where my fishing opportunities would be much greater than when I lived back downstate and I haven't pulled a pole since the five years I've been up here. And, oh, uh, really? But oh. it's kind of weird, like the little things that we do when we're raising a child. I got three girls. Uh, and if you could believe this, they're 28 24 and 19 my oldest girl is getting ready to have uh my grandson will be my first grandbaby grandson Congratulations. and uh, i got a text from her the other day that uh, kind of teared me up to be honest with you yeah uh, I've, I've got the three girls i've always wanted a boy i love the girls but i am very much looking forward to the grandson and yeah. what the text said the other day, random, was uh, I can't wait for Chase to be born so we can take him fishing. 
Oh, you know, oh she's yeah. She's always treasured those moments of when she was young that we used to go fishing. She can't wait to pass that on to her son. Excellent. Yeah, man. What a thing to look forward to. I and and I get you know, I can resonate with that too. It's definitely been a <clears throat> a generational thing in my family. You know, and and you know, for for a lot of fishermen, I guess probably that's and that's a lot. That's something really fun to look forward to, man. Uh, I take my my kids fishing and and my father and you know grandfather took me fishing and um yeah awesome good for you man and congratulations on that man right on what kind of what kind of like you're pretty much you're talking lake fishing out there mostly i I, right you said michigan i think didn't you yeah yeah Bass, bluegill, small fish, pan fryers, really. Nothing okay. like what I seen you pulling out over there on your page, man. That's them some weird nice size fish you'd be pulling out over there. So yeah, yeah right on. Cheers to you. Yeah, cheers <laughs> to you too, man. Uh, you know, I haven't done much of that kind of fishing like you're talking about. Um, we do a little bit of ice fishing up here, but I just, I don't really get out to do it that much. I didn't get out a single time this year, uh, which usually never happens. I usually go a couple of times and I really wanted to this year. I just, it just didn't, didn't pan out, but, uh, yeah, I like to try to hit the ocean a few times and, and I definitely hit the river here after salmon and mainly salmon, a little bit of trout, uh, you know, really regularly. I, I live on a, on the Kenai river, which is, uh, you know, like a, just a, quite a river for the salmon runs. And I look forward to it every year. It's coming up. It's not too far away. You know, King salmon, silver salmon, uh, sockeye salmon, humpies, which, you know, uh, pink salmon, um, yeah, man, that that's most of the fishing I do is mainly on the river. But uh, yeah, that's cool, man. You you mainly ice fish, or you know, you go out on a boat, or how do you guys like to do it? Little boat, you know, a little rowboat or a little offshore, you know, wherever, whenever possible. Just a bunch yeah. of small lakes around me, especially since I've been up here, man. Uh, like I said, man, I'm really missing out because I'm surrounded by lakes. Uh, just within a, a small vicinity, I bet you there's four good-sized lakes around me and a, a river, the Savo River, which flows from, you know, pretty much the backyard. So I, I can't believe that since I've been up here, I haven't pulled a pole not once. Yeah, I can't believe it either, man. What's wrong with you? So, <laughs> uh, I don't know. Well, it was it's been a huge change of life. I don't know. I don't the slowing down. I don't I'm know. just joking. 
<laughs> I know how it is. You get busy, man. You get a lot of things going on. Uh, but yeah, get out there, man. Try to get out there this year. You're, you're going to get out there with your grandson, I know, before too long. Yeah, I definitely will not miss that opportunity. That's for sure. I wasn't into fishing when I was a kid. I fucking hated it. I did. My brother hates it oh, a thousand me. times more than I used to hate it. and But he still hates it. And I, I grew into it. But man, I mean, between between all the adults man it was just like they were taking us fishing a lot sometimes man and you know you're like a five or a ten year old kid and they're like dragging you out on a boat in the rain across lakes out on rivers and you're like you know ready to go play video games or something like they used to take us out a lot i hated it my brother still hates it like i said but I, I've grown to really love it now. Myself. Oh, my God. Sorry. Um, <laughs> uh, yeah, now I, now I love it, man. Um, I look forward to it. But yeah, the, the adults, some of the adults in our life, uh, when me and, and my siblings and relatives were growing up, man, they would. They would haul us out to just do some crazy shit. I mean, some of it I wouldn't I wouldn't even want to do now, you know. Uh, uh, I've I definitely remember like wondering if I was gonna die a few times before I was ten years old, and uh, you know I didn't die, so that's cool. But uh, you know, like we have a we have a lake here that is kind of on the edge of a big mountain range and a huge lake. And sometimes this lake can be like an ocean. Like, you know, the, the wind suddenly picks up off of the mountains and then you're in like breaking swells in the middle of a freezing cold glacially fed lake. Uh, you know, and a lot of people get out there sometimes because it also happens to be a great lake to fish on. Uh, huge lake trout, uh, rainbow trout, uh, the salmon swim up there and spawn and, and go to, you know, smaller estuaries and, you know, really good fishing lake. But uh, I remember being out there with my brother and his dad and, and another fella and, uh, you know, it turned into that. It, it, and this is, you know, this is probably like a, I don't know, an 18 or 20 foot, you know, skiff more or less with a, you know, like a 50 horse Honda or something, little outboard. And, uh, you know, suddenly it just gets windy. And, and I mean, we're trying to catch lake trout and all of a sudden we're, they're like stuffing us up into the bow of the boat with life jackets and giving us an extra life jacket to hold on to and we're just like going up and slamming down and going up and slamming down and shit i that went on for i don't even know how long man at least an hour i don't know i mean i was probably it's hard to say in the weird memory of you know all these years but 
I was probably eight or nine years old and my brother was probably like, you know, six or seven. And, uh, uh, yeah, they just, they used to take us out to do shit like that. Like every other weekend, you know, it was just like, no, thank you, man. I'm good. We can, we can hang on the edge of the lake and still catch some pretty all right fish, you know? <laughs> well, I'm, I'm definitely, I don't mind being out in lakes, but once I can't see land, I get a little bit of squirmish. So what I call yeah. like big water, I'm not too keen on big water. Yeah. I, I'm i with you on that. I've, I've worked uh, a little bit on some commercial fishing boats briefly. And like, it didn't take me long to realize that life was not for me, especially being out, like you said, when you can't even see land is not for me man i don't like it i was out on a salmon boat uh 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 commercial fishing boat and you know it was fine everything turned out okay and it was a really nice day there was no um you know dangerous conditions but i was out in a place like that where you can't even see land and you know the diesel engine died and we were just floating out there for, I don't know, like six hours or something. And, you know, I don't know anything about how to fix a diesel engine. And I don't know the first thing about it. I mean, nothing. You got me, right? Like, I don't know anything about it. So, you know, we got the captain and kind of the second in command guy and it didn't take me long to figure out that they don't really know that much more than I know about it. And we're like on the radio with a mechanic and alerting the coast guard that maybe, you know, we're out here adrift and we have no power. It's not like we have sails on this motherfucker either. You know, there's, it's a big ass boat. We're not going to row it, you know? Uh, and I was just like, no, nah. no, nah, man. This is not for me. I don't like being out here. I would be okay with it if I could at least see land, but I don't even know which direction to start swimming. <laughs> yeah. Some people even more so at night. <laughs> uh, yeah. It's bad enough I can't see land during the day, but once it's nightfall and I see and I can't at least get off that thing and run and bump into something. I'm even worse, man. I don't like, yeah, big water at night either. Yeah. <clears throat> well, uh, shoot. What else we got to talk about? So uh, just throwing it out there as far as like past guests and the opportunity you may have like bumping into somebody in the weird world there is uh, Detroit River Rat here in Michigan, past guests, uh, happens to make uh, custom lures. Uh, really nice custom lures. Uh, all kinds oh. of them. Uh, he makes them all from scratch. He actually was nice enough to mail me a few. Hopefully I'll use Fish with Chase someday. So cool. maybe hopefully at some point you guys can hook up and maybe... Uh, right try out some I, of his stuff maybe a little 
swap. You never know. <laughs> what did you say? Yeah. Uh, what Detroit you say River Rat. River Rat? Okay. Yeah. That's what, on Instagram. Awesome, dude, dude. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. I'll take a look. Yeah, that's really cool. I was just uh, talking to my buddy, Brandon. Uh, you guys, some of you might know him as Blue Channel on Instagram uh, a couple days ago. And he's really into the fly tie-in and making his own like flies, tying flies, different lures. And, uh, you know, one of these days I'd like to get into not just the fly tying necessarily, uh, you know, fly fishing is kind of like a whole segment of fishing on its own, but yeah, people that make lures and making lures. So it's, it's pretty cool. little, little facet, little art. I'd like to do kind of some, uh um you know like with my seeds and, and whatnot like i made the, the kind of did the t-shirt thing like i want to do some like tackle boxes with like some custom lures and maybe like uh you know my logo on there or something or whatever and like some seed packs and a little tackle box with lures it was kind of like one of my one of my little you know, late night ideas I've come up with. Um, yeah, I might, might have to hook up with a couple of these people that make lures and, you know, make some like uh, custom lures to go with a seed line or two and, and send them out in a, a little custom tackle box. If anything, yeah. it sounds like a perfect match for a fish and cannabis show. <laughs> right. <clears throat> right yeah the two things go hand in hand for me big time you know like music i was gonna ask you if you said you didn't care for it when you're a kid is was cannabis a part of what kind of brought it back into play uh i don't think that much actually no you know, I, I, I wouldn't say so. I wouldn't say a, a big, I would say what really brought it into play was just, I don't know, maybe a little bit actually now that I'm thinking about it, but you know, because cannabis is kind of one of the things that uh, enhances your appreciation of nature. Uh, but I think more than anything, just an appreciation of nature and, and subsistence is, uh, you know, one of the things that is is um i don't know what the word i'm looking for is all of a sudden but uh it's dear to me i you know i think you know being able to um harvest some level of your you know food from the land is like a really uh you know special thing and shit who knows how long we'll even be able to do that uh in in the coming years the way things are going and uh i really like you know that we're a lot we can do that and and that's kind of what fishing is you know you get out there and you get some food with your own two hands and the land provides it to you as long as you have the nerve to go out there and get it and and so i you know i guess now that i think about it uh cannabis uh maybe does play a, a bit of a role 
and just the appreciation of nature, like in that regard. Definitely. I really believe there should be a There's Piper nothing. pack of papers in the top of every tackle box. To be honest with you. That's fine. Yeah. <laughs> Agreed. And, uh, uh, you know, certainly um, consuming cannabis while fishing um, happens pretty much every time for me, you know. Enjoy fishing much more. I even named one of my uh, selections a poison skunk. I named it Fish Whistle. Uh, we used to kind of have a joke on the river when the fishing is really slow. But, oh, we, we need to go blow the fish whistle. You know, which means we're not catching any fish, so let's go smoke some pot. But, I mean, it's kind of surprising how often it actually works. And you go and smoke a little bit, and then you go back to the river, and suddenly everybody's catching a fish, you know? So, you know, we we used my my uh, my my stepdad, I suppose you'd call him, used to always say that, and we have been saying it for years. And so I named one of my favorite lines after that term, "fish whistle." <laughs> That's pretty fucking cool. So another thing you said uh, about actually producing your own food being very powerful a very powerful thing so that's another thing taking it back to cannabis and the medicinal side of things now yep sustainability yeah what now not just sustainability but now what if cannabis is your medicine right and you are able to to cultivate it all the way through you know what i mean you just said how powerful of experience it is to grow your own food now apply that same mindset to applying it to your own life-saving medicine how healing yourself knowing that you're healing yourself how powerful that is that i can attitude that that provides cultivation provides that patient on top of the medicine is sure. critical i think you know what i mean yeah. it's huge I mean, how, how could i say that doesn't resonate with me man i mean that's uh that's like the name of my whole uh seed company and my ethos you know it's the pheno fisherman man it, it's a uh, you know you you fish the fish out of the river and you fish the medicine out of the seeds, you know? I agree, man. I actually believe the cultivation side of things is every bit of municipal as the medicine itself, to be honest with you. That time, all of us spent, you know what I mean? And again, relating back to the, it's all kind of municipal thing. Especially when you're producing it yourself, man. If it is your medicine, it isn't your medicine, whatever. I guarantee you when you go into your room, it's the sun part of your day. You know what I mean? It's that relaxing moment. So. That, in a way, uh, for me, the growing it has been more medicinal than anything else. 
uh, we were talking earlier about you were commenting how, oh my God, it's still light out. Like the days aren't even hardly long yet, man. They're going to be so long. It's going to be like two in the morning before the sun like sets for like 10 minutes and then comes back up. Right. But there's the other side of that in the middle of winter where, I mean, you know, the sun barely comes up and uh you know that's that's a drag right it's dark and you know a lot of us go to work or support kids fuck they go to school and they're in a building the whole time the sun's out like you know they go to school or work in the morning and it's dark and they go home and it's dark and they only get to see the sun out the window or whatever and you don't get to get out and feel that you know the sun on you um, and it's really nice to go into the garden in your little kind of like tropical cave and kind of bathe in that warmth. It's not the same as the sun. It's not quite as good, I'll admit, but it's pretty nice. It's, it's, I, I am a little bit addicted to it, man, especially in the middle of winter. Um, it's like going into a little, like I said, a little tropical paradise in the, you know, it could be negative 20 degrees outside and the wind's blowing sideways with snow and icicles coming off of your nose and your eyebrows. And you walk in this door and you're just suddenly in, you know, 50% humidity and 75 degrees and you take your coat and everything, your sweater and your hat off and, you know, you get to stand around all these plants with uh the nice warm light bathing on you it's really nice man it's one of the things that gets me through the winter when it gets like that um yeah that's all i got to say about that as forrest gump would say (laughs) i totally agree I have some long winters up here, but there ain't no Alaskan winters, that's for sure. (laughs) It's brutal, man. It is. That's why I went to Hawaii, man, when I got out of school and was freed up. I was like, man, I'm going somewhere that, uh, you know, the, the daylight is not so manic because it's like up here, it just, it swings real fast and and uh you know certain times of the year are tons of fun summer is radical for me i dig it um it doesn't really bother me i can totally go to sleep if the if it's light outside um some people have the opposite kind of you know thing where the daylight in the middle of the summer will drive them nuts I guess, you know, I'm not one of those people. It doesn't bother me at all. I can totally go to sleep in the, when I feel like it and no big deal. And it's also light all the time. So you can go cruise, go fishing at midnight or, you know, whatever. But the winter time, not, not, not quite as enjoyable for me, man. Mr. Cabin fever is definitely a thing, and uh, I, I like to think my garden helps keep me from 
full on cabin fever as well. So I, I definitely can relate. <laughs> well, with that being said, I, I believe we've used up our uh, 21 minutes that you allotted there. Uh, I'd like to again thank you very much for hanging out with me this evening. Help me kick off the 424 hour gauntlet. It has uh, been a great conversation. And I look forward to uh, doing this again and seeing you in the weed nerd world sometime very soon, hopefully. Uh, always okay. looking for a new conversation, new people to pop in and hang out. And, uh, I think everybody would like to do, have a one-on-one -on -one or a group conversation with you as well. So I think that would be awesome. Yeah, you, you get uh, a few people in on one chat at a time probably in there then it sounds like. Yeah, it's, it can be, it can vary, you know, uh, from person to person, night to night. Some nights there'd be two, three people. Some nights there may be 20 people. There's been up to the words of uh, 20 up there at one point. So, yeah, it's a okay. good time. From all around the world as well. You know, there's people that check in from the UK, Australia, Germany. We've had some from Africa. We've had some from Thailand. Uh, where else? We've got uh, Rasabab from uh, Jamaica checks in every so often. All right. Of course, all across the great United States and Canada. So you never know who you'd be talking with when you pop in. Okay. Yeah, I'm really excited to have discovered uh, you. And I didn't realize that you have done so many of these. Um, it's always good to know that I have an absolute endless amount of weed stuff to listen to when I'm working in the garden. Uh, I look forward to uh, more of them. I've listened to a couple, a few of them. Uh, but, you know, I didn't know you had that many. So, excellent. <laughs> I don't really trim much anymore, God. But, you know, I used to listen to a lot of this when I was. Do look through, man. There's a lot of great content. Uh, Toad, Mr. Toad's been on. Blue's been on. Uh, of course, most of the lot of respectable breeders have been on. Mean Gene, James Proof, all a lot of the other breeders as well. Proof, I, I caught that one. I caught I caught uh, Mr. Toad a bit, and uh, Mean Gene also. Actually, those I think are the main three that I listen to. Those there. Um, Duke Diamond. Duke Diamond might be through today, and uh, I did stand out, uh, talk to him earlier today. I think he will be popping in at some point today okay. with, in uh, the 420 event. And again, if you get bored later on, same link, man. You can come back during the 420 event. You get bored sometime today and want to hang out. Uh, cool. It's your fair game from now on. That's a, that's the deal. No invitations from here on out unless we're doing a spotlight. From here on out, it's up to you. You want to come hang out? Grab that phone and fucking come hang out. I shouldn't. I feel I shouldn't have to call, or Great. you know, offer that. It's 
it's strictly on a one-two basis from here on out. So if you want to come hang out later today, please do. That's cool. how it works. Uh, uh, I, I, I like the format, man. Really awesome. The, the other things you'll check out on the channel as well as, of course, uh, the Organic Takeover, which uh, Smiley, Smiley's Garden, who is in chat now, kind of takes it up a notch and talks serious organics uh, okay. on a more Always respectable level. All so, that, man. There's plenty to learn. Well, thanks uh, a lot, One Eagle. thing I'd like to One last yep. thing, brother. One last thing. Uh, what I like to call the uh, soundbite, basically my version of the soundbite would be, hey, this is Eagle, and I'm on fucking Talking Shit with Eagle, episode 612. Please feel free to make it your own. You can put whatever you want before or after, as long as it's kind of got the show number in it. I'm grateful, and I am ready for that right now. Okay. Well, I'm going to give you guys bong hit proverb number 419. Never look a gift horse in the mouth. But if you do, you better be a registered equestrian dentist. Right. Good night. Good night. Well, thank you very much. That was uh, the most original soundbite I believe we've ever had. With that being said, let me stretch my legs and we will kick off the 420 Weed Nerd here in a few. With that being said, thank you guys for tuning in. If you're not going to transfer over into the Weed Nerd world, thank you for your time. I greatly appreciate it. Please do not forget, random acts kindness do save lives. Don't be afraid to do something nice for somebody. I guess I am out of here. Thank you very much. Feed the soil, feed the plant, Fino Fisherman on Instagram. All the links are in the title and will be found on the website as well. With that being said, I am out of here.